Hello, everyone. Welcome along to another edition of Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio Northeast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse. Welcome, everyone, uh, to another fantastic Mentally Sound radio show. It's show 12, which we were thinking would be the one-year anniversary, but having having thought about this at length, we, we seem to have come to the conclusion that actually the one-year anniversary is in March. We were debating this in the green room before we started. Uh, but we have an absolute... Massive show for you today. We've got a bunch of guests, uh, obviously a, a new co-host for today because we obviously we rotate the co-host, which is fun times. And we'll get to Richard in a second. But just to let you be aware of, uh, you can get in touch with this show, which is at underscore mentally sound on Twitter and mentally sound radio at gmail.com if you want to talk to us directly. But in terms of the show and what's coming up, we have uh, Lexi, who's going to talk to us, who's in the studio doing a dance right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, she's going to talk to us about, uh, in particular, research into eating disorders. And uh, the particular one that we're going to touch on today is with anorexia, uh, which has another name, which we'll get to. I didn't wasn't aware of this, and which was kind of uh, kind of fun and interesting. And also, we're going to be talking to, uh, if uh, uh, we're assuming everyone's confirmed on this, because this might change, but we are also going to be talking to... To Colin Dolan, who's here to talk about football and his mental health project here in the Northeast. We also have Lynn Gibson from Dis- Dementia Friends. We have Lisa Mallette, who's here to talk about uh, uh, Newcastle Carers uh, with her colleague Helen. And uh, we also have Mental Health News, obviously, with Ricky, which will be on the top of the hour. And also uh, Maggie Douglas uh, with also Professor Douglas Tuckington to talk about schizophrenia research. So borderline two things. Yes, we'll get to the co-host. I'm getting to that as well as David C., who's here to talk about the novel stuff. Uh, we've run out of time uh, <laughs> uh, uh, to talk. No, but uh, in all seriousness, but yeah, so that's just a bunch of stuff. I was told that we never reveal what's coming up, so I thought we'd do that in the introduction. But without further ado, we've delayed him long enough. Uh, today's co-host, uh, who's been on before, he was, he had to talk about his mental health challenges, which was really fascinating about his fight with a boxer. And it was in the ring. It wasn't just he didn't attack them in public. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, to talk about that and much others, please welcome Mr. Richard Kirby. Hello, sir. Afternoon, Steve. Last <sighs> and, and, and certainly least by the sounds of it. <laughs> At least, yeah. What, what do you mean? You're not, you're not welcome anymore? <laughs> of course you are. Uh, you're, you're more than welcome. But yeah, how are you since we last spoke to you? Yes, yeah, all good. All good. Okay. Thanks. Um, Busy uh, plotting the next uh, next few challenges. Got a few things lined up. And uh, can you just be closer to the mic a little bit, please, Richard? Thanks. Um, and yes, everything's going well. Thank you. Oh, cool. Um, so, what have you been up to since we last spoke? In terms of, are you still doing your challenges? Yeah, and else, I, uh, I came on uh, in December um, to, to announce that they'd finished. And uh, and when the first of January came, um, I kind of realised that there was a big hole that. Uh, that I wanted to carry on doing the challenges, so I've got another few lined up. Um, mm-hmm. Dry January was the first one. Um, we've organised uh, a big event for uh, Time to Change Day at uh, Time to Talk Day at uh, at work, which mm-hmm. went very well. Um, but I'm currently, um, I don't know if if, if practising is uh, is probably a better word than in training for a for a 12 hour solo darts marathon in May. So uh, that, that's that's the wow. really big thing, and that's going to be darts yeah, marathon. You say there? Yeah, I'm just going to stand and throw darts for 12 <laughs> hours, but. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, it's going to Hopefully be on a board. Uh, no, just, uh, uh, yeah, that's what I thought you said. Like, yeah, uh, like, literally any bypasser. Um, why not dance, Richard? Why don't you do a dance? <laughs> because I saw Lexi, and to be honest, I can't compete with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're doing we're doing our own da- we're doing our own dance uh, it was, thing. Uh, it was quality radio, Steve. Yes, um, yes, quality, so, yeah, quality radio. 
yeah. I've, I've got a yeah. lot of uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of, of visual fun. stuff on an audio version thing yeah and it's, uh, it is going to be partly <laughs> to raise funds for, for Jenny Warwick Foundation Jenny was on the oh, last sweet, show yeah. um, so I got in touch with Jenny after the show and um, is that what you were talking about to me in the green room about your involvement with Jenny because you asked me about it yeah absolutely um, really so cool. really looking forward to that we've got um, Glenn Durant who's the uh, British Darts Organisation World Number One coming down to uh, to play a few games. Nice. Um, I'm trying to get some uh, you know some uh, decent prizes, raffle prizes, auction prizes from the worlds of uh, of netball because there's also for, to raise funds for Grangetown Netball mm-hmm. Club. So yeah, it's all going really really well. And you know, c- come the day, provided I can walk after 12 hours, I'll be happy. <laughs> can you work? <laughs> if I can walk after 12 hours, yeah, that, that's the goal. The goal is that's to stay sound, alive. Yeah. Uh, don't do, don't push yourself too much, Richard. No, Come on, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, uh, I should say as well, like um, yeah, Jenny's great. Like I mean, we got a great response when she was last on, and uh, and uh, she she also was involved at the Dame Kelly Homes. I'm actually trying to get her on my podcast actually because she's um. She was really, really interesting. Uh, so, so how did you? How did that come about? Her your involvement? Did you ask her, or did she ask you? Yeah, I, I basically asked her. Um, I, the, the fundraiser was going to be initially for uh, the netball club, but I wanted to to involve a mental health charity as well. Obviously, times have changed. Don't accept um, f- um, donations. Um, and when I realised Jenny was on the show um, and did a little bit of uh, sort of digging into her background and found that uh, you know obviously she was an international athlete, and uh, I was just you know, really taken by her story, um, dropped her a line um, and said, would you have any objection if, uh, you know, if I did this event to try and raise a few, you know, a few pounds for the uh, for the foundation? Um, and she was, uh, you know, she came back pretty much straight away and said, absolutely thrilled to bits. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping I'll get the chance to uh, to meet her maybe around April time just to do a sort of little bit of, uh, of, of sort of promotion, a bit of coverage before the event. Um, I know she's got a big event on later this month, which mm-hmm. uh, which you, you you know about. So it's uh, it, it, that's pretty much it. It was when I realised she was on the show, Steve, and uh, and one thing's led to another. Which uh, oh, nice. the, the power of the show, the power of the show. <laughs> I think we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll stop at the dancing. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going to just do loads of references now and just have do a visual only thing. That's very very silly. But we should say in terms of power of the show, something I forgot to mention during the introduction, uh, which I know we'll, we'll maybe talk a little bit more about in mental health news is that do you are you aware that mentally sound got nominated again yes uh which we should mention yeah which is so obviously you know we got um you know an award uh, last time which we talked about in the previous show in particular uh but we have been nominated for the 2016 national service user awards in the category community social and vocational and the award ceremony takes place at the 27th of april at silverstone circuit it's hard for easy for me to say. Uh, which also, I think the reason how we end up getting the award is I think we do like talk our touring cars and then we work out who wins and it's <laughs> a Silverstone circuit. So you know, uh, I, 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 I'm actually I would just go to go to Silverstone. Are you a racing fan at all? I would just love uh, to see I'm, the circuit. I'm not particularly, but um, to, to be honest, I, I was a dance fan until about ten minutes ago. So I've been put off dancing for that. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's it's all good, Steve. Um, Brilliant. I'm assuming we got nominated for the show that I wasn't on, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. no, it's a fantastic. It's that's fantastic actually event. when we got the email. That's what they said. It's like minus <laughs> Mitchell, minus Richard Gerby. Yeah. Funny guy, Steve. No, it's, <laughs> I think it's brilliant for all the people that have been involved. It's, no, uh, seriously, really yes. News. And uh, we should say, like, in all in all in all seriousness, we should say. Uh, you know, and you, yourself included, Lexi is about to be on, and everyone. You know, even if someone's only been on for one segment, we really do 
uh, should thank everybody for their involvement because uh, I guess you obviously hear my voice and I'm sort of the voice of the, the the voice of the show in the sense of hosting it, but the behind the scenes stuff that goes on, there's a lot of um, hard work that goes on behind Absolutely. the scenes, and so um, you know we should give a shout out to everyone involved. And there's too many to mention, but um, just a huge thank you to everyone involved. Uh, yeah, that pr- I think that's pretty a great introduction. So thank you so much for doing it, Richard. In short notice, we should say as well a big shout out to Steve who is going to be presenting the show, who's uh, going through a difficult time. So we want to just wish him well and hope he gets well soon. And uh, yeah, but thank you, Richard, for just for just being willing to, to do it in such short notice. So um, but yeah, as as I said, Lexi is going to be in the studio right now. She's waiting, waiting really patiently by dancing frustratingly. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, what are we going to do is because... Um, uh, Lexi was kind enough to do a, a pre-record to kind of talk a little bit about anorexia. How do you say the second bit? Nervosa. Okay, I, I, my dyslexia would just not let me say that when I was listening back to it when I was doing the edit- editing. I was just sitting there going, "How do you say that?" So yeah, she's yeah. I'll just say anorexia because I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, so yeah, she's going to. There's a pre-recorded bit about her talking about anorexia, and then she's going to join us in the studio uh, when me and Richard are going to talk to her about uh, research into anorexia and, and various other things with Lexi. Great. So here is. Uh, das uh, pre-record. Anorexia nervosa is a chronic illness characterised by self-starvation. It has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness and it's not unusual for recovery to take several years. Despite this, the reasons for its onset and long duration are not well understood. Many features of anorexia have been described as the result of extreme self-control. However, New research from Columbia University suggests that these eating behaviours may instead be driven by habit. This would explain why sufferers often continue to prefer low-calorie food or restrict their food intake, even when motivated to recover. In this study, participants with anorexia and a group of typical people were put in an MRI scanner whilst they made choices over which foods they would prefer to eat compared to others. As you might expect, participants with anorexia were less likely to show a preference for high-fat foods. However, these different decisions were also marked by different patterns of brain activity. For the group with anorexia, food choices were more closely related to activity in the dorsal striatum, a region of the brain thought to be involved in habits. This area also interacted with another region differently in these two groups, and a strong interaction of these two areas when choosing a low-calorie food option was linked to consuming fewer calories the next day when participants were invited to a buffet. This study only compared people currently ill with anorexia to typical people, so we can't be sure whether this different pattern of activity becomes more distinct over time, or whether those with anorexia would also have shown this pattern before they became ill. But if this pattern of activity does strengthen habits in anorexia, early intervention may help to change food choices more quickly and sustain good food choices after recovery. Okay, and welcome back. And Lexi joins us live in the studio right now. Hello, Lexi. Hello, Steve. Hello. Um, so, yeah, obviously you were talking there about anorexia nervosa. Nervosa? Nervosa? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I got it right. And, uh, yeah, so do you want to kind of elaborate on what, we obviously, we just heard in the pre-record? Yeah, so um, this study was kind of looking at the role of habit in anorexia, and we've kind of assumed that, that these behaviours are just something that somebody does because they have a drive to be thinner, so that they're always thinking about how to cut down and and how to to eat less and, and lose more weight. But actually, this study kind of showed that that behavior kind of gets ingrained. And even if they kind of want to stop, the habits of always seeking out the lowest um, 
amount of calories or the lowest amount of food is actually ingrained in them so that it, it can make it a lot harder to recover. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, would it would it be you know because one of the things that we talked about in the green room, which was interesting, because the seeing about the distinction of the, the the you know it has a nervosa as the other as the other actual like technical term. Um, you were telling me in the green room, which I, I asked you because it seemed the obvious question, is that you know I wasn't aware that it was another thing, and you were telling me that there's kind of a distinction between you know anorexia where people get it as the onset of something else, and actual the anorexia we're talking about. So can you describe the difference? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of misunderstanding about this disorder generally. Obviously, all mental illnesses have their kind of ignorance um, around them, but anorexia in particular. So so just anorexia just means a loss of appetite. So you can you can lose your appetite if you're ill, if you're a cancer patient that's undergoing chemo. It's just a general loss of appetite. But anorexia nervosa is the day in day out. I do not want to eat because. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of. It translated from like Latin, it's kind of like anorexia for nervous reasons, um, and it's it's just a kind of it's not a natural loss of appetite. It's kind of forced because of the disorder. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add? Yeah, yeah. I was really interested, uh, Lexi, because you mentioned that uh, bulimia also comes with uh, with, the, with the tag nervosa as well, which which I didn't know. Um, and I'm just wondering if there's a if there's a media issue here that the word on its own, anorexia or bulimia, on their own. There's, a, there's an automatic assumption um, of, of the, the, the thin person who makes themselves uh, poorly um, for whatever reason. Um, but actually, the, there's, there's far, far more to it than just th- that single word that seems to sort of just f- fulfil that assumption, if you know what I mean. It's, uh, it, it seems quite strange that uh, the, the, the nervosa tag... Um, is relatively unknown when it comes to bulimia and obviously as uh, anorexia, yet they are two distinct, uh, anorexia with and without the nervosa are two distinct things. Yeah, so I think that, that ending nervosa does try to make clear that this is an illness, it's not a choice, it's not a lifestyle. I mean, just last night I came across another story um, about a girl who'd recovered from anorexia and, and it was posted by someone that I volunteer with on an eating disorders ward and she, she works there. And I thought, great, this is, this is going to be an interesting story. And all that it, that it was that the reporter had written up to go with this video was talking about the media and models and how she wanted to be thin and it started off as a diet. And that is perfectly true, but that really misses the point of how lethal and deadly these disorders are no, and that they're, they're not yeah. a choice yeah. at uh-huh. all. Um, would you go as far as to say, when you when you did the, you know, when you were telling us, obviously at the beginning, about kind of more in depth about what anorexia really is, would it be fair, like, m- one of my things I I argue about is... is and I, correct me if I'm wrong. That's why I'm asking you. Asking you, because you know more than I do. Is is could you be, could you say that there's an element of addiction involved in it? In the in the sense of because you know because a lot of people say it's the coping mechanism. Whereas I would say the more negative aspect of that is to say it's almost like an addiction because as you say, the the definition of an addiction is is something that you can't control and you need to keep doing it. Um, is that is that kind of Absolutely. Really what anorexia has, has an yeah. element of, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of known um, clinically, it's called a self-perpetuating disorder. Mm-hmm. And it, it means ah. that the more weight you lose or the more you binge and purge, the more you get into that cycle, is the more you want to do it. And mm-hmm. losing a bit of weight is never enough. It always has to be uh-huh. more. Um, it is kind of a... It's a very self-critical like, you're never thin enough. You're never good yeah. enough. You're never and thin enough as well. Keeps, like, it keeps escalating kind of point, until yeah. someone steps in and has to to break the cycle and stop you. Can this link in with with uh, exercise and uh, and 
just that that desire to go to the gym and work and work and work and work to to keep that sort of momentum going. Yeah, that's an, that's another symptom of eating disorders as well. Um, there's obviously there's kind of different types of anorexia. There's different things somebody might do to try and lose weight. Some of them do binge as well, um, mm-hmm. and obviously purge again. Some people exercise excessively. Um, yeah, it's all under that that umbrella. Mm-hmm. What, what would you what would you say in in your research in particular? We're just obviously we're focusing on anorexia. Is um, what are the how are the ways that people deal with it? What are the treatments that people get? I mean, because obviously you know we want to have some sort of positive spin on it. Because I mean, we all. I mean, one of the one of the reasons we do a show like this is because for the most part there are people involved in this who have had mental health issues or whatever it may be. So we we always say that you know the re- the fact that we're doing a radio show like this shows that we are coping in some way. So how's what's the best you know approach with anorexia in your in your eyes? Yeah, so there are um, both outpatient and inpatient services mm-hmm. um, that deal with with the disorder. Um, I volunteer in an inpatient setting, so I kind of see the most severe cases. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're at that point, you need medical intervention and you need refeeding because your your whole personality actually changes when you're starving. And mm-hmm. um, they did a a study in the 50s to look at the effects of rationing and they put people on a restricted diet um, and and their whole personalities changed so trying to work with the bigger problem of the disorder when you're in that state is not really going but to you work. don't get enough of your natural your natural you know vitamins and yeah, everything else exactly. don't you? I mean your, your brain uses 20% of the calories that you eat you don't have enough so dolphins and everything else yeah your emotional health your metabolism's out the window and everything else yeah so you do need the, the medical intervention and, and the weight gain but obviously as well you need psychological work otherwise you know you could you could take someone from a hospital feed them up to a normal BMI and let them go they'd be back next week in terms of in terms of you know, because obviously we're doing a mental health show, and obviously th- there's, we've actually had a guy on the show who was, I think he was anorexic, or he had he had issues with eating, and at the very least an eating disorder. I, I'm sorry if I can't remember off the top of my head if it was anorexia or not, but one of the things I found interesting that he said, and I want to know what you think, because obviously it's comparing this to mental health, because it's it's a fit that we're talking about a, in, in essence a physical disorder, or at least that's what's going to that's how it's going to be portrayed, whereas. The, the the I guess the interesting overlapping argument is sorry I just hit the mic mic stand there is that there's a mental health aspect to it as well because as you touched on you know you may like I, that guy who said when he reached his low point he ended up in Edinburgh on an eye like in, in a drip and he yeah. was you know in hospital for a month like getting his physical health back up but he, he argued that the mental aspect of it of figuring out why he wants to do it in the first place you know yeah I just find that interesting with physical issues because even when I've had with my bipolar disorder I've had situations where my physical health has been debilitating and they focus on that rather than you know the the actual root and the you know i guess the the actual you know the 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 trigger that makes you do that in the first place so what's your take in relation to anorexia is that a fair assessment yeah i think with any um mental health problem but particularly with eating disorders because they do have medical complications i think we just need to stop treating the physical and the mental separately mm-hmm. obviously if they're in a, a critical medical state you've got to deal with that right now mm-hmm. um but you do need the approach from both sides otherwise the, the physical emergencies will keep happening because you've not actually dealt with the root problem mm-hmm. I think one of the difficulties that uh, I, I don't personally have experience of, of, the, of these conditions but I have a very good friend who uh, who does um, suffer from bulimia and uh, th- there was a, there's a long sort of uh, recovery process um, which is very easy to sort of fall out of you know when something maybe traumatic happens in a life um, and there's a, a 
just going back to that sort of eating disorder is actually um, p- almost puts that person back in control. It's somewhere where they've, for, for any length of time, felt comfortable. They control their life because they control their eating patterns and they control how how, the, how their day runs. So it's 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 an incredibly difficult cycle to get out of. Um, and I, I you know I have to say with my limited knowledge, you know the the, the work that. Uh, you know that you're volunteering to do, Lexi, is, is is remarkable, and I'm sure it's making a hell of a difference to people. It's uh, it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. No, totally. I I, I concur wholeheartedly. Yeah. So, in terms of uh, if someone who's listening right now, for example, who has experienced someone who may have anorexia or know or, or know someone going through it or may have it themselves, like what would what what would you say is the best approach to getting seeking the help they need? Well. Um there is um, a charity in Newcastle that um, calls itself an eating distress service. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's N-I-W-E is the abbreviation. Mm-hmm. But that, that takes a broader approach. You don't have to have a diagnosis to approach them. Any any kind of unhealthy issue you or a friend or family member has around um, eating, you can go and get help and advice and support. Right. Um, because unfortunately we're in a terrible situation if you go to a doctor and your BMI is not low enough to diagnose anorexia, you slip through the system. I was just going to say so this, that this the charity is yeah. really exciting. The key thing you said there is that you don't need a diagnosis because I've had situations where I've been mentally, you know, in a in a dark place. Uh, you know, it's a shame Wayne's not here because he probably could. We could probably ask him about it. But there's one particular time where I was going through a severe, you know, manic episode and. And um, I went to the regular hospital, and they basically said I, we can't give you any psychotropic drugs because that we 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 can't be certain what will happen. Uh, which I didn't necessarily want. That I just went there to say I need something to kind of just stabilize me for now, uh, and I'll because it was at the weekend, so it was like a Saturday. So I was really concerned that my my I've, you know the, the irony is I was, felt like I was doing the right thing for myself. But the fact I wasn't able to do the thing because they're saying, oh, you're, we can't give you it, you know, and it's meant to be accident and emergency. And yet mm-hmm. this is an emergency. And yet because I was saying, I don't know if I can make it till Monday, like I, I'm, because I'm, I'm finding this too difficult. Like and so I did the responsible thing, but it's like the, there's all these walls. So yeah. the fact that, you know, you don't need to be diagnosed is good because even if you might not have it, it's good peace of mind to know that you might yeah. not. Is, well, I is mean, also I, I just think I want to see more early intervention departments exactly. for, for every disorder. Because, Couldn't agree more. But anorexia kills people. Let's not mess around mm-hmm. with it. Like, if you can catch someone before their BMI drops mm-hmm. low enough for them to get a diagnosis, why not do yeah. that? You Stop don't want to wait until someone mm-hmm. is Stop so it before Ill. it becomes a long-term issue. Exactly. That's what I always say. Like, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, yeah, honestly, yeah, that's great. Thanks, Lexi. We've run out of time, but I just want to uh, give people a quick plug because you've got a new blog out. Do you want to talk about I that? I do, yes. I have a blog that I set up with one of my friends who I did my master's with in neuroscience. So our blog is mainly mainly neuroscience at the moment, but I'm hoping to get more kind of um, mental health stuff across there. But we're both super busy at the minute. There are a few posts up there. It's called Cognitales. Yeah, I know. What's, what's that mean? Right. Um, it, well, it's a made-up word that we just came up with. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's stories about. So lucky, it's, <laughs> it's redundant, yeah. Lexi. No, it's not. No, no okay. we, well, we came up with the name because it's sort of tales like story tales. So it's stories about the brain and cognition. So it's I don't know if Lexi's tales. aware, but we've got a we've got a secret video camera working right now. So we actually filmed your dance. So awesome. <laughs> I think everyone video blog, see that. video <laughs> blog. Uh, but no, seriously, it's been really fun. Thank you for doing that. I thought I was very instructive and, and educational. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you for another segment very soon. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I and uh, yeah, and thanks for coming in, and thanks for the pre-record and everything. And uh, and yeah, I and oh yeah, you're on Twitter. I am uh, on Twitter. Want to say what your yeah. Twitter handle is? I am at Lexi Thorpe. 
Thanks for the E's on the end. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way of saying it. I was going to spell it, but yeah, that's the best way. But yeah, please do follow on Twitter, and uh, thank you so much, Lexi, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Uh, uh, What we're going to do right now is we're going to take our first song break now, so we're going to play a a song in a second. And in the studio, we're going to be talking to Colin Dolan, who's here to talk about his football and mental health project here in the Northeast. Uh, But until then, we're going to take a break, and we're going to play a an awesome track I've been listening to this for all week uh, it is Chicane featuring Tom Jones it was that song Stoned in Love which is it's like a, a live version that I found on iTunes which is like super great so I uh, uh, hope you guys enjoy it and we'll be back in a second in the studio and you're listening to Mentally Sound Radio on Gravity Radio Northeast. Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio Northeast. that was Chicane featuring Tom Jones and I lied to use it was stoned in love but it wasn't the live version uh i did send the live version to the guys but they actually had it already on the database so we played the recording version but still it's still a great song uh and i say it was a song that tom jones did with chicane uh, chicane is probably more well known i'm being all geeky music wise here but um i think they were more well known for they did the brian adams they did a song with brian was it the Oh, what was it called? The um, Summer of 69 or something like that. I don't know. They did a song with Brian Adams in the in the 90s that I remember, and this was another one that they did as well. But anyway, that's just an irrelevant thing, but hey. Uh, I just love that song. That's, that's really all I needed to just say. I just love that song, Richard. Yeah, I, you're no straight ahead of us all. Yes, there. I know, yeah. Totally, yes. Uh, but anyway, without further ado, as we touched on, our next guest is Colin Dolan. Is I saying that right? You are. And uh, yeah, he's here to talk about football, which uh, I will do a little survey. Well, survey of the room being just Richard. Uh, are you a football fan, Richard? Before we ask Colin some stuff, Gateshead Football Club. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I would say on Football Manager, I like getting them to the Premier League. That's my, that's my goal. On football that's Manager. probably the only chance it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, how are they doing? Are they? Uh, well, they're, they're about mid-table in the in the conference. conference yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, good, good club, good setup, got some good people behind I know the they, scenes. They play at Gateshead National Stadium. They, they do. So, yeah. Where the where the uh, athletics sometimes happens. It's a good test of your eyesight if you can see what's happening on the pitch. <laughs> It could test Yeah, if you, yeah, there's a there's a there's a whole stadium and they don't do the front rows; they just do all the back. Even though it's just a conference team, it's like they only have a couple hundred people. But anyway, without further ado, Colin, welcome to the welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. So yeah, uh, do you want to? Um, obviously, he had to talk about, um, as I say, the project you're working on. Do you want to yeah. let the, the the viewer, the listenership, know? Yeah, viewership. Yeah. Yes, oh, just Richard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm from uh, Mental Health Football UK. Uh, the organisation has been set up to uh, go promotion and support to mental health football projects or football therapy projects uh-huh. throughout the UK. Yeah. Uh, these are uh, can be from NHS trusts, football clubs, uh, grassroots, from Premier League right down grassroots, uh, and community projects that uh, adopt the use of football for mm-hmm. anyone who's uh, experiencing poor mental health. Mm-hmm. And we use it as a form of recovery uh, or as ongoing therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Uh, I myself came through that system. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, can I just ask you to be a little bit closer to the mic when you talk? That's yeah, okay, yeah, of course, no problem. Uh, and uh, but yeah, no, that, that's that's fascinating. As someone who um, uh, <laughs> this is ridiculous to say, I didn't, never thought on the mental health show I would reveal this, but I actually was close to being a professional footballer. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I understand this, being that I have mental health issues, that uh, it was a kind of uh, a coping mechanism in a sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I get yeah. it from that point Good. of view that. Uh, um, but yeah, I had I had several contract offers for like uh, for several other teams, but I I didn't uh, I didn't I gave it up because it was like my dad's thing. <laughs> it's like my dad's thing of like you know the living through your dad's dream. Like cause mm. I I really enjoyed doing yeah. it, and I was I was obviously talented enough, but 
um, I just stopped. I just ended up hating it. Uh, like wow. I just didn't. I just went. I can't see myself doing this forever. Uh-huh. And so I went. I may as well say that if I feel that now, when I'm got a contract in front of me, I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't sign it. So do you play um, at all now? No. No, not uh, at all. I, I do miss it a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm one of these people. My friend, my 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 old friends laugh at me because whenever I see a football, I'm like a dog chasing a stick or something. I just look at it and go, "I want to kick it. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to kick it." I like, love that. So. But yeah, so so how did so how did the um, so the reason I brought this up was because you know usually people who become football fans are interested in football either yes. played before and so that was leading yeah. me to ask you: Are you a football fan, footballer yourself? I'm a big football fan. I've played football um, for a number of years, I'm 50 now, and oh, I, was play- <laughs> <laughs> I was playing football from uh, probably about the age of 14, mm-hmm. uh, a half decent level, um, and football was football was a great passion, I had rejection everywhere I went basically, and I was determined that I was going to be a football player, but never uh, was I good enough to be honest. Uh-huh. But I played um, up until my uh, mid twenties at a decent level. Um, not certainly not professional, but uh, played with like a couple Sunday, of, Sunday League or something. Yeah, Sunday League. But mm. I played with a couple of um, semi-professional teams for a nice. short time as well. So I experienced the, the hard graft of mm-hmm. training and uh, being shouted at. Constantly. Where are you from? Is he obviously Glasgow. Scottish? Yeah, 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 from Glasgow originally. Okay. Uh, now uh, I've been twenty-one years in Liverpool. Okay. Uh, so I'm an adopted Scouser. <laughs> uh, so occasionally you may hear a word. Yeah, that I just comes heard out, it there <laughs> when you said Scouser. <laughs> yeah, it may, there may be the odd word that comes out a little bit Scouse, unfortunately. Uh, um, you're making me want to go, that's fantastic. He's <laughs> <laughs> not from Wales. Yeah, yes, no, no yeah, no. that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm going, are you either Scottish or Irish? It's one of the two. But that's really cool. Yeah. What, what, I mean, just because of my curiosity, I'll ask Richard if you want to speak in a second. It's just. Um, what why what led you to Liverpool? That's 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 my that's what in my head. Truth. <laughs> what? Truth? The truth. Oh, the, oh, the truth. Oh dear. Was it, uh, was it a lady? It was a lady. Yes, it was yes. a lady. Yeah, I I, I actually went through. Got, it's actually related to um, to my my mental health well being. Oh, really? okay, I was great. I went through a period of being up and down. I'm bipolar, um, ah, and so I had some. Real bad issues when I was younger, and um, I had a, a marriage that, as much as I enjoyed it, I also hated it, mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't cope with it. Mm-hmm. I really couldn't, and I couldn't cope with life um, for for a while as well. And mm-hmm. I had gone through a period where uh, I was contemplating suicide, um, and mm-hmm. I tried on a couple of occasions. Then I ran away, so as a grown man running away from home. Very, very strange. Oh, I've done that before, um, believe me. Yeah. So uh, it, it led to the fact that I, I didn't come out and speak about it openly to, to anyone, uh, even though my uh, my first wife knew that I'd had uh, a suicide attempt and mm-hmm. um, uh, pretty pretty serious at the, at the time. Um, but the marriage broke down and um, I went and hit the booze. Um, I didn't yeah. really drink when I was married because I never had the chance, to be honest. Uh, and I was pretty athletic. Mm-hmm. So I uh, hit the booze pretty badly okay. uh, as as a coping mechanism. Yeah. It didn't help me at all. In fact, course, it made no. me, it made me as, a lot worse. As someone who's got bipolar disorder himself, it's uh, not a route, not a route you should go down. Yeah. Uh, so I, t- I used booze, then I used drugs, um, and heavy drugs my, or just a, like a. I, I was a heavy cocaine user. Oh, wow, yeah, okay. uh, pretty bad for for a long time. But uh, that's, I'm, that's I'm all. Is that all? I was there, and thank God you well. But I just say yeah. like that's that's. 
Again, most often when you talk to people with bipolar disorder, they often have addictive personalities. Yeah. So if you ever end up, you know, going down that route, I, I, I thank my parents for like sort of drilling into me mm-hmm. that for whatever, you know, I, I've just got this sort of pathological dislike for drugs because yes. of, especially yes. with having bipolar, and maybe yeah. I'm lucky that I got diagnosed fairly early. Um, that I just don't touch it. It's mm. but it, but as I, th- th- this is going to sound crazy, but I want to ask you this because I feel you know you're gonna you're gonna go. I so understand this because it, it seems to be a bipolar disorder symptom. Is that it? Still is tempting. So it's so ridiculous about yes. my. It's still tempting. Like yeah, uh, like, of course. Um, and so I, I'm like that with cigarettes. I've I've been a cigarette smoker on and off for God knows how long, yeah. and, and and I I just don't touch it now because mm. I'm like I've finally got over it, and I'm like if I go down that route, I'll do, I'm like a thirty a day guy. If I yeah, do it. yeah, so, what do you know? Yeah, do you understand so, yeah, that feeling? Totally. Like the yeah, it's yeah. just so hard. Like so how so I guess the the positive spin on it. How did you get out of that? Well, phase? how did I get out of it? Um, I, I actually, again went through a lot of bad times in, mm. in Liverpool. Um, I was in intensive care after um, and yet another uh, overdose. Um, I think it was my third time in Liverpool. Uh, I ended up in intensive care. Um, I was also resuscitated twice, I believe it was. Um, so I, I basically died in a hospital and was resuscitated after oh, an overdose. Oh, wow, God. Okay. Um, that it still didn't. So it still didn't make me think that there was another path in life. I still thought that drink and drugs was the path and womanising. I still honestly believed that was the only way of coping. And no one knew the real me. That was mm. one of the problems. Of course, uh, yeah. I was working in hideous jobs. I was a salesman for years and years and years. And I did test sales. So just not happy in your personal, like, professional nah, life as well? professional yeah. life was awful. Uh-huh. Uh, as much as I was earning good money and I was going to work in a nice suit. And I, I wasn't myself. And you know that, um, you, you, you may have done it, a lot of people bipolar have done it, I know they have, and people with a lot of mental health issues have put on a mask to hide mm. everything that's going on, yeah. the real you, and I did that for a long time. You get better at faking than living your life. Oh yeah, I, I got to think that I, the, the way I was acting was the real me for a yes. while, but yeah, it was, yeah. it was uh, I was having alcohol during the day, uh, I, was having, I always had a drink before I went home from work, mm-hmm. I was having cocaine at work. Wow. Uh, and a lot of people for probably about 10 years didn't even know that I was on cocaine. They thought that was just how I was. Yeah. And that, that was quite frightening. Um, course, yeah. And after a, an episode of really feeling bad about myself and I wanted to escape, I went, uh, I moved to Madrid. I went to Madrid for two years. Mm-hmm. And while I was over there, um, I went through another bad period and I realised that the next one's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to die. Yeah, so I want, yeah. I, there was something inside me fighting back. Yeah, it um, gets more scary the more times it happens. Yeah, I still understand that. Yeah. And the, the psychiatrist I had in Madrid, she recommended that I went into hospital. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no way, don't want to get into hospital, particularly in, in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to do it. But uh, I had to give in because um, I, I was so close to just ending it. Because it's depressing. I know, I don't mean that uh, Yeah, I know what you're know. saying. I, it, yeah. To me, it was inevitable that I was yeah. going to die while I was living in Madrid. The black cloud, and, it, yeah. yeah and, and I knew it was, I'm, I may be only four or five weeks away from it. That's yeah. how bad it was getting. I went into a hospital in Madrid, um, psychiatric hospital. Scary experience, but um, totally transformed my life because mm-hmm. I, I gave up uh, drugs, mm-hmm. uh, stopped drinking. Um, did they call Turkey you and stuff? I no, I, I just stopped. Oh, you just I, I, I said it, to yeah. myself, I, I need to stop okay. or I will die. 
um, because I need to be. The, I want to be the real me. I want to. I want to be the person that I've always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came out of hospital. Um, a lot of things had changed about me in my life. And, uh, the job I was doing, I wasn't enjoying. So after a while, I, uh, as much as Madrid was a beautiful place to live and had a lovely lifestyle, I wanted to be back home, and home to me is Liverpool. So I got homesick for Liverpool. Never, <laughs> I've never been homesick for Glasgow. Uh, nothing against Glasgow. I have I've never no, been no homesick. offense, but I haven't with Liverpool, really. I'm not really... <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful, 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 city, been, beautiful, city, like beautiful city, beautiful people. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and they've taken me to the hearts. Really? And... When I went back to Liverpool, um, I was still ill, and it took me about um, a year to acclimatise to life in Liverpool again. Oh, and being, being me again, mm-hmm. uh, being me for the first time as an adult was a bit scary, because people didn't really recognise me. Mm-hmm. They expected me to be this guy that was always in the pub, having cocaine, yeah, on, you, having cocaine you, yeah. on you 24 hours a day, or... I was the guy that could get the cocaine, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I didn't want to be that guy. Anyway, I um, I was persuaded to go and join Everton, the community's Imagine Your Goals football program, which is a, a mental health recovery yeah. and a coping mechanism. Um, not an Everton fan, so I was very reluctant <laughs> to go. Uh, I was, I was, I was forty-seven. All relieved over here. Um, so I, I thought football was. I was way, bit, way past playing football, even though I'd played in Spain. I thought I was way past it. Uh, but uh, without a word of a lie, it was basically the first session. I just realised that this was what was missing in my life was football, um, okay. and like something an external thing. To yeah, it, it, it clicked immediately. Immediately from the first time like, I kicked the ball, first time I got the chance to head it, clear, clear it, tackle, score a goal, anything. It just was wow. That buzz I had was better than anything that any doctor or any psychiatrist had ever done for me, yeah. uh, any medication I'd ever, ever had. Um, okay. And I realised that, wow, this is this, this is something this is that really... Forward, yeah. Um, so I, I continued to go with Everton. I became a volunteer with them. I worked for Everton. I still do I volunteer with Everton, the community, nice. on the mental health side. Um, that led me to all sorts of uh, things within the mental health sector, mm-hmm. becoming a peer support worker through Mersicare. Um, doing voluntary work within the city of Liverpool for the homeless uh, and people with uh, drinking uh, substance um, abuse or addiction. Um, and football was always coming into it. I was always encouraging people to go and play football. Nice, yeah. um, I was severely injured, I had a back problem, and I was waiting for an operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I'd been networking while I go into all the tournaments, Everton's team um, travel all over the country yeah, 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 go into yeah. Europe as well yeah, yeah. Um, and through all those experiences of meeting other people from other parts of the, the country and other teams and other coaches talking about mental health and how it was helping people recover I was already beginning to network so I, I wanted to bring everyone together and have an umbrella organisation which is now known as Mental Health Football UK right. soon to become the Mental Health Football Association um, oh. so we will have and it will be inviting approximately 200 organisations throughout the UK to become associate members. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will we give support to um, not only the, the, the long-term existing uh, organisations that are out there, but new people that are coming on board, as nice. well as not just supporting the organisations, but individuals. We, yeah, I get through my Facebook page, the, our Facebook page, Mental Health Football UK, we're contacted by at least one person every single week who has got a mental health problem 
and wants to try football therapy. Nice. Um, so I, I go and find them a local. It's like answering team. every question. Like, <laughs> you need, you don't even need to, like, uh, I've run out of notes. Even uh, like, the joke is I don't have any notes, but yeah. like, uh, like it's just yeah, you've answered everything. But uh, well, that sounds great. I just wanted to get Richard in because like, yeah. so anything out of what he said because obviously he's got a very passionate story. I didn't want to interrupt you. That's story, okay. No very, problem. Uh, no problem at all. It was very uh, powerful. Yeah, well, yeah. Colin and I had a good chat before uh, before the show actually started, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the recovery is remarkable. You, you look incredibly well, um, which is great to see. Um, I was I was really interested by something that you mentioned outside um, that you haven't directly mentioned in here about the, the amount of, of, of work that you do either face-to-face, over the phone or online, supporting um, individuals um, who have come to you because they're in a you know they're in a difficult situation they recognize that they need help yeah. and support um but they're actually you know they're, they're strong enough to uh, to reach out and uh, you know the, the work and that you do and the, the advice that you're able to give is uh, is really impressive stuff colin so okay. uh, i don't know if we've got time just for a couple of seconds just you know just for yeah comment. just well i guess the I, I just was wanted to make sure if you had a question to ask but it's just been mainly to say like so how can people get involved where uh, on the internet and we can you can find us through facebook on yes. Mental Health Football UK or via Twitter. Our Twitter account is very, very popular. Uh, it's called at soccer yeah, for all. Soccer, yeah, so underscore, soccer for, underscore four for underscore all, all and yeah. fours with the number four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People can get in contact us that way. We will help to find people, anyone who wants to play football, mm-hmm. we will do our best to find them something in the local community. Uh, we're wor- I'm working now on a plan to have a mini Mental Health Football League in Newcastle. I've never been one before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're hoping. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to go and see. I'm off to see people uh, straight after the show, actually, Great, at cool. Newcastle. Uh, and I'm speaking with the Newcastle Development League. And hopefully, I'm going to encourage the Newcastle Foundation to be involved and the local FA okay, uh, to get this league up and running. Any idea where that's going to be? Or you um, the target is July to get it started. Okay. Um, like, no, I meant like where in the city? Oh, well, we've got the, um, there's a primary school, St John's Primary School. Oh, yeah. Uh, <coughs> got a new, a new AstroTurf pitch and they've offered us it free of charge. So nice. Uh, we will have regular sessions there. I've got two coaches in mind, volunteers. Nice. And hopefully, in a very sh- near future, we'll be appointing a peer ambassador and an ambassador for Mental Health Football UK in the Newcastle area. Great. Uh, so there will be a point of contact Fantastic. for everyone Amazing, in, this, in this area. Because, I mean, we haven't got really time to go into this because no we've problem. run out of time, but I just wanted to say, you know, it's, it's something that we've talked about a lot on the show yeah. about, um, you know, we've had, like, Jenny Walwak, who's a mm. badminton player, who yes. uh, she says she said the uh, the same thing, uh, and it's something I'm, because I'm a sport fan in, in, my, in my real life, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's something that never gets mentioned, the sort of the mental aspect of, of sports. You know, if you ever talk yeah. to anyone who's really, you know, uh, you ever hear in interviews any people who are ridiculously good at, at mm-hmm. sports, they all say, like, it's about, like, 80% of it's mental. Of course. Like, the, the, you can, because if you think about it, most people in, in athletes, when they get to that level, are all athletically gifted. Of course, yeah. The difference 100%. between whether they're great or good is, is down to the mental yeah. side and confidence and everything else. It's a show of its own, Steve, that one. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating topic. Yeah, I know, yeah. We just, unfortunately, you don't have time but it's just something that there is a video definitely... I, I would like to recommend yeah, Co- Copper 90 uh, yeah. I've got a YouTube channel they released a video last night um, it's the latest video and it's all about mental health and sports uh, right. and it features uh, I, I'm involved in it uh, Minded Involved nice. the Sport Recreation Alliance 
Clark Carlisle and Andy Burnham, who is Great. a patron of my charity well, there you go. as well. So uh, it's a very worthwhile video to watch as well. Awesome. Right, that uh, that's it. I think we've unfortunately we've run out of time, Colin, but that's honestly, quick. a fantastic yeah, interview. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, sorry, it flew by, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was only like 10, 15 minutes, but like yeah. we, we really flew by. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, I, was really looking, I was really looking forward to this because, as I say, being a football fan, and I think it is very, very important, uh, you know, to, to have the mental side of sport because, yeah. again, we seem to have a common theme about it being physical mm-hmm. and the mental aspect's just as important. So, of course, well yeah. done on doing that and congratulations. You're looking thank very you well. So, it's great thank to you. see you and you welcome back anytime. Thanks a lot. Ah, thank you very much. Cheers, man. Appreciate that. Uh, right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play a song break right now and when we come back, we're going to be talking to is. Uh, is Lisa here? Lisa, yeah, okay. So we're going to be back with Lisa, uh, who's going to talk uh, about Newcastle carers. So once we're, yes, I'm aware of that. Uh, I'm aware of it, Danny. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to play uh, The Cure with Friday I'm in Love, being that it's Friday. Uh, so that's a fantastic thing. And huge thank you to Colin. Thanks a lot, man. Cheers. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a sec on Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio Northeast. Hello everybody, welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio North East with, of course, Mr. Stephen Hesse and Richard Kirby. Uh, sorry, I, I need. I felt like I should apologise to Richard on the fact that you never got a chance to talk there, but you did say you were speaking to him before, to Colin, just in the green room. Yeah, we, we had a 20 minute chat and he's a, he's a fascinating man and, and obviously, you know, the, uh, the interview you had with him Gave me the chance to sort of, uh, I believe it's busting a few moves on the side to see, <laughs> to see how I compared with Lexi, and I he came had, a very poor pu- second. He had the puppy, puppy look of very poor like second. Ask a question. I just want to ask the question. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, I was just like, the, the thing is, is as you know, they just uh, went. You know, I think the mark of an interview when they say a story is powerful of that is to just shut up and let them talk. And I yeah. think he he covered everything. Yeah. It was fun, it was phenomenally good. Great so, Huge thank you, Colin. That was really really cool. Our next guests, as we touched on right at the beginning of the interview, and um, they're sharing a mic. So as I say they've got to be in the mounted position which is very unfortunate for them but they seem okay with it uh, is uh, Lisa I'm okay to say your second name uh, Lisa, uh, uh, Lisa Monette am I saying that right? No Lisa Monette Monette Monet. <laughs> no, it's Monet. Monet, Monet. Uh, and, uh, and yeah and Helen is that right? Yeah That's right. Okay yeah so we didn't get it right uh, from Newcastle Carers is that correct? That are, yeah. Awesome yes just make sure my notes are okay so yeah hi uh, welcome guys thanks for coming on Helen. Um, as I say, whenever one needs to talk, if you just move, if you just like lean into the mic, that would be great. Okay. Um, what, um, I tell you what, just to make this easier, I will, I will say the person's name and we'll like point and go, that's your question, and then you lean in, okay? Just to make this easier, because we have a two mic set up here, just to let people aware and who's listening. Uh, but yeah, thanks guys, as I say, for coming on. So, um, just starting with each of you, do you mind just saying what you guys do at Newcastle Carers? And we'll start left to right. So, my left, so we'll start with Helen. Oh, he- hello, everybody. My name's Helen. I know you know that. And I'm a carer. <laughs> right, we're done. We're done. That's the end of the interview. Uh, just wanted to make sure it was Helen. That was it. Uh. Uh, carer, information and advice worker. So, basically, that means being alongside people who are supporting and caring for someone. And really just being with that person on a journey. And whatever that person might need to help them, we try to respond to that. Mm -hmm. And it might be information just to speak to somebody. It might be, um, you know, coming along to one of our groups or activities. It's really just to kind of be someone who can listen and then respond. Mm -hmm. And we have um, a regular... Um, service from nine in the morning or six at night every day, Great. five days a week, and we work a Saturday once a month, and twice a month we're open till late on a Wednesday. 
and that service is available those times. Great. I was just actually, uh, and during that, I was checking my notes. I'm aware what you do, Lisa. You're communications, is that right? I am the communications and marketing coordinator, yes. That sounds so, like, <laughs> flamboyant. Uh, so in a, in a nutshell, like, and I imagine it's probably boring whenever you, like, meet someone new and go, what do, you, what do I do, like, but in a nutshell? But can you just kind of say what that entails? Yeah, in a, in a nutshell, I raise awareness of, about Newcastle carers. So so that can, can be um, going out and about in the community with our leaflets. It's basically about letting people know that, that we are here that what what our services are and and and, and spreading the word about Newcastle carers. Um, we have a newsletter that we produce two times a year. That's a way for us to communicate with our carers and um, let them know about useful information to help support them in the care and role. Um, I do things such as a professional's e-bulletin, which is another way to, to communicate with professionals because, of course, they themselves could be carers. Um, so that that's, I suppose, in a nutshell, it's about raising awareness and letting mm-hmm. people know that we exist. Cool. Uh, yeah, Newcastle carers exist. Yeah, because Richard was just saying to Richard was just saying to me like I I, I have um, a background in 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 being a carer, so this is this is something that's relevant to me. But I just want you know, if you want to uh, sort of t- ask some yeah. questions because I know it's it's something that you're passionate about. So yeah, I, um, my sort of day job is with a clinical commissioning group in North Allerton. Um So I've had quite a lot of involvement with uh, the, the carer organisations that work um, in Hamilton and Richmondshire and, and across to Whitby. I'm guessing. Two of the the, the, sort of the biggest issues that you probably face are a funding and 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 b actually being able to reach those carers who maybe either don't want to be reached or, or don't even necessarily realise that they're in a caring role. Is that fair to say? I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. You could say it's, a, say it's a good question if you yeah. want. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is yeah. very really good. Thank you. Just, well, just don't answer it, and then we're done. That's it. Very good. No, no, but yeah, if you want to do that we one at a time, yeah, if you want to start with Helen. Um, Yeah, I completely agree with both of those points, that funding is a big issue and we hear about that all the time in the way it affects people's life every day. And the other thing about the word carer is that any one of us can become a carer, if you like, Um, somebody who another person couldn't manage without is how we often would describe it. And that can happen to anybody at any time. And often it's about making sure that the person feels empowered, that they know their situation often better than anyone else. And what somebody might need is the right information at the right time and then active support to navigate systems and to get the best they can. And also and also giving people a voice to speak up when there are cuts which affect them and the person they care for mm-hmm. so that they can actually speak up and possibly carers come together to do that sometimes mm-hmm. yeah do anything anything no yeah. just just to add i think that's part of our our role as a center so newcastle's carers is to to raise awareness about what what is a carer um and and try and and, and find hidden carers and that's about you know to try and get our leaflets out in the community which we do and that's part of my role um so getting our literature out there we we uh, try and put our leaf or we do put our leaflets in gp surgeries pharmacists uh, libraries for instance so we we, we try and get our the, the message out there and try and find hidden carers but but mm-hmm. often 
so, sometimes people don't necessarily recognise themselves as a carer. And, and I suppose it is about us maybe educating people uh, and working with people and supporting people to maybe let them know about what, what a carer is and, 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 and for them to understand exactly, you know, you are, are a carer. Have, have you had any um, issues um, actually finding your way into the, uh, the local BME communities? Um, we've, you know, in my own experience, um, you know, there'll be people of certain faiths where um, it's almost a, an issue of pride and they won't come and ask for help even, even if ordinarily they might need it. Is that something that you come across? Um, yes, that, that can be an issue. Uh, we, we do work in two BME communities. We have a group from... Um, we have a group from the Chinese community in Newcastle that come as a group to our centre on a regular basis to meet together as a group of carers. Again, that's to do with sometimes cultural issues about ident yeah. identifying mm -hmm. yourself as a carer. Um, but we do work into parts of the city where there might be a um, proportion, large proportion of people from other cultures, other backgrounds who who do access our services, but we recognise there are barriers for people. So we do outreach sessions into the communities where people live, as well as having access drop-ins in the centre. We also have satellite um, sessions in different parts of the city oh, right, okay. in different communities so that people can come and meet us where they live. So how far do you, does the service extend? Um, so so we, we work so for, for people to, to access our, our services, you have to be carer, caring for somebody living in Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And um, just to, on, on the back of what Helen was saying, our, our satellite venues, our, um, we work in, we have our centre base, which is in on Shields Road in Biker. Right. And that, that's our, our main centre base. Yes. And then we work from the Leamington Centre. Uh, West End Customer Service Centre and Library and Gosforth Library. All the details are on our website. Yeah, I was going to say, when, when, we were, <laughs> when I was preparing my notes, because I write the script for this, I was going, the list is far too long. That I'd rather list. talk to you and you, let yeah. you guys give an example. And it, yeah, we'll mention the website. Yes. Yeah. So what is the website? It's www.newcastlecarers.org.uk. But if people go on the website and we have a What's On section, Mm -hmm. All our services, all our current activities, events, groups, all the satellite venues, when, where and what, all information is on our website. Cool. So if you live in a certain area, then, you know, just go on the website and find where you, where you can come and, and speak to us. Mm -hmm. Can I just mention as well, we, we do have yeah. a carer's information line as well. So if you can't get out, you can, of course... Speak to know us the over number the, off our? I do. Go for it. <laughs> it's 0191-275-5060. Excellent. <laughs> uh, that's, that's fantastic. There's one thing I really want to quickly ask, and I just also mentioned, because Danny will be listening to this in the green room, if they could send uh, Lynn in and we can just talk to her straight after, that would be great. Um, uh, all I wanted to ask, because I would say I wanted Richard, because I know it's a thingy to him, but there's something that resonated with me in particular, what Helen said, cause, and I wanted to just ask you the, the last question. It'll be, just want to briefly say my mom suffers from Parkinson's and uh, she also then got cancer. So I went for a period of time in my life where I was most definitely qualified as a carer. And, you know, I, I feel the honest thing to say here is that I tried a very decent period of my life to be classified as a, as a carer. And the one distinction in my role was that my mom didn't want to, to have that. And 
I guess what I'm leading to is that I know Richard already elaborated on this that you and you touched on the culture idea, but I also think from my perspective in my story that like the the generational thing of the the idea of being looked after by your your that your like offspring is regarded as like disres- I don't know but it's not disrespectful but you know what I mean like um I'm trying to think of the right word like um it's an issue of pride for yeah them. like yeah. pride like yeah you said it pride is. it's like the the, the, the it that is. it's like a failure that they that they're supposed to be looking after their That's offspring right. and yet they're looking after them wow. and I just wanted to say in relation to that because that's that was a a big not like a I don't want to say a burden because I love my my mom dearly, but yeah. it's it's a huge, especially when you know when this first started happening. I was a young teenager, so you know yeah. to go through that, and I was the only one living at home at the time, and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Is that is that really the the kind of the big thing here? Because I know you you focus on just adult caring. Is that we, really the well? We do, but actually, we there is the Young Carers Project in Newcastle that's hosted by Bernardos, mm-hmm. um, but. As part of our our remit, we also have a young adult worker, young adult carers worker, who specifically works with carers 18 to 25 Mm -hmm. to support them through um, through that transition. Maybe you might have, as a child, had caring responsibilities, and there is the Bernardo's Young Carers Project, but that can carry on. And I think I recognise what what you were saying, Steve, about you're trying to balance what you need with the needs of the person you care for. Yeah. And and one of the things we try to do is to support people to get some balance back in their life, to get to find a way to say, I can do all of this, but I need some of that for me. Because it and becomes a 24-hour job. Yeah, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, I was like, yeah. I started my business during this period yeah. of time. And, yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. it ended up, being the reason I stayed at home way longer That's than right. I should have done and all That's this kind of right. thing. So it, it's, I resonate with this very strongly. And, and the reason yeah. why is because I wanted to bring up the, the sort of young aspect, but also yeah. that it is like, I guess the reason why your your roles are so important is because yeah. it's so, when you when you when when it's someone you love and care about, you yeah. don't want to like sort of make an issue of it and say, exactly. oh God, there's a problem. But yeah, yeah, when it starts affecting your own well-being, yeah. then you start going, I need to actually I mean, like deal with this and... and the right way, way, right as I can. Like yeah, and sometimes, sometimes what we can do is help people navigate to get the better help for the person they care for. Yeah, or different help, or look at different options to think. Actually, I didn't know we could do that. Mm-hmm. We could, you know, interview and employ someone to be my mum's personal assistant while I go out. Mm-hmm. And I know that's to do as well with getting the right funding for the support you need. But it, if people know what they can what they can access, that exactly. frees you up. Which is your say, job, isn't it? Really, in yeah, a sense. Okay. <laughs> Stop <laughs> taking credit, Helen. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's fine. I'll hit us That's a joke. Just to just to be clear. I think it's just the message that if if people you know is what what we've just been talking about. Yes. If people do feel like that, that they do just contact us. Yeah. And and that. We, as, as Helen has quite rightly said, we can help with that. And the help's there. And the help yeah. is, is yeah. there. Great it's just making that step, in which is a, it's a big step to make. And also, hopefully, maybe make people yeah. more aware of like that they may have some sort of like generational 
problem or that like they've got a stigma to it and maybe just kind of let them realize that like it's the right thing to do for both parties that's something i tried to convince my mom for a long period of time and then i left and then she did it and then she did it then she did it (laughs) it's like because suddenly she's like oh i I, he's not there anymore i need to which which cruel to be kind kind of kind of uh, kind of way of doing it but it worked out for the better um we do sometimes you know maybe somebody who's a student who's moved here to be a student Mm -hmm. and but then still carrying all that responsibility and worry about the person at home. It's those kind of caring roles. You might not be physically doing something, but you might be bringing up every day. Mm-hmm. And that getting support as well around all those issues. Cool. You know? But it, right, it's recognised, sorry, it's sorry, recognised yeah. and that, that is still a caring yes. role. Of course. It, it's yeah. still recognised. Of course, yeah. yeah. So as I say, just very quickly, you want to just mention again where it's Newcastle... Uh, NewcastleCarers.org.uk, isn't it? It is, yes. Um, um, are you on Twitter? Uh, Any NC, N, uh, NCL Carers, isn't it, on Twitter? That's correct, um, yes. Yeah, all, like, uh, capital, N, capital N-C-L-C and then Eras. Is that the best way of saying it? I don't know. It's me and my dyslexia. I'm like, I've got to say it one at a time. So All, you, all the yeah. information is on the website. Yes. All That'll Twitter, make things Facebook, better. So just go and that the number's website. on there, isn't it? The number, which is 0191-275-5060. Uh, but again, if people can go to the website, like, every, everything's on the website. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Thanks really appreciate it. That was really you. fun. And congr- you. you do a very great job. And oh, as, you. as you can hear, I, I, I support you 100%. I think you do a great job. So thanks. Thanks well, a lot for coming well, in. Great people. Uh, is Lynn around? Uh, uh, Dan, if uh, here in the green room. But what did you? I will just ad lib for a second and just say like. So what did you? Like this resonates with you as you touched on with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I've, I've had involvement through work with uh, with organisations based in in, in North Yorkshire and. Uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating to see just how much time and effort goes into supporting the carers and, and what a tough job the carers actually have. Um, if I've got a 30 seconds for an example, go, go I, went, I, went to, uh, I went to an event organised as part of a, 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 a voluntary organisation to, uh, to bring together people in the village of Danby, which is out in North Yorkshire. Um, one of the people that came along um, was a husband whose wife had uh, dementia, um, and he came along to this dinner, which was basically coming together of people from uh, in and in, in around the surrounding villages. Mm-hmm. It's the first time he'd been out and hadn't cooked his wife dinner in eight years. Wow! And you know, I, <laughs> I sat with him, and, and, and he just—it was just a, an, an incredible thing to see, you know, to see the look on his face, being able to have social company, and uh, uh, you know, have that interaction that he just missed because he was twenty-four-seven looking after his wife. Yeah, uh, they do a br- imagine, brilliant, yeah. brilliant job. Cool. Well, I'd say we're pressed for time, so we'll best get on. Sorry about the delay, Maggie. I must uh, apologise for that. But yeah, you are. Um, oh, sorry, it's not Maggie. It's Lynn. <laughs> Beg your pardon. Yeah, sorry. I'm skipping ahead of my notes. Uh, uh, sorry, Lynn. I meant to say. Yeah, sorry. From uh, uh, Dementia Friends. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I'm talking about Dementia uh, Friends. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in. No much problem. Much appreciated. And again, I apologise for the delay. No problem. Uh, and I'd say if you could just lean in a little bit towards the mic. I'm sorry for the the, the pain of it, but yeah, just so we can hear you properly. Uh, that would be great. But yeah, so do you want to uh, have a, a just to, for the benefit of the people listening, just want to say what what your job entails? I yes, guess, is the best well, actually, I'm, I am Lynn Gibson, yes. and I'm, my day job is Thank I'm man- <laughs> yes. okay. my day job is I'm <laughs> a manager yeah. of the physiotherapy service for people with learning disabilities, uh, based at Northgate, and I'm employed by Northumberland Tyne and Weir. NTW, mm-hmm. NHS Trust. But today I'm sort of here to talk about how a big organisation, a big mental health trust, has tried to um, implement Dementia Friends, the Alzheimer's Society's Dementia yes. Friends initiative, That's within right, 
a big, huge trust. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm here for today, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, where it started for me was that in um, Alzheimer's Awareness Week in 2014, mm-hmm. I went to a Dementia Friends session, which is what this is all about, basically, yeah. um, at UNN. And for somebody that, I'm going to admit it, <laughs> thought and knew everything there was to know about dementia, mm-hmm. it's my entire caseload as people with learning disabilities and dementia, uh-huh. and I thought, I know this stuff, you know, what can the sort of tell us about it? Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed. I was really, really impressed. And what I was impressed about really was the different take on it. It wasn't medical model dementia. It was really about exactly what they're trying to propose. It's a a social model and about how it actually affects the people themselves Mm -hmm. rather than what can we do. Yeah. But but we can do very subtle things. I'm glad you brought that up because obviously, you know, I guess, would it be fair to say like sort of dementia... If if you said to someone that word, they may have a fair idea of what you're what you're talking about. It, it, but um, what in a I guess in a very sort of basic sense, how would you describe what it is it, for people who may not know what right. know exactly? I think most people do understand dementia because I don't think there are many people around where it hasn't touched their lives yeah. in some way, a relative, a colleague, a friend, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But dementia is a disease of the brain. Mm-hmm. It's an organic disease of the brain. And unfortunately, it, uh, the older you get, the slightly more prevalent it becomes. But at the minute, if I'll just give you some statistics. There yeah, is, go for it. Yeah. There are some, um, the current statistics for people living with dementia, 77% of people with dementia feel anxious and depressed. 75% of people in the UK don't think dementia's, the society's geared up for dementia. Sixty-seven percent of people with dementia do not always feel part of the communion, community. Sixty-one mm-hmm. percent feel lonely. So basically, the people that have got dementia don't feel part of that community once they're diagnosed. That's the definition of isolated, yeah. Absolutely yeah. isolated. And unfortunately, that it's well known as well that there's been a lot of negative press about dementia. We've all seen the headlines. That's why I asked you that question. Yeah. Really, is because yeah, there, there's always like a support, like a, I guess a perceived negative aspect to it. Yeah, a million dementia yeah. sufferers by the year. Dot dot dot. Yeah, dot, yeah. You know, um, all these flippant remarks. Yeah, you know? but it annoys me in mental health in general. With oh, media, but yeah. you know, and there's a lot of um, stigma attached to the mm. diagnosis, and basically, a lot of people feel that once you've been diagnosed, that's it. That you know. Mm-hmm. And that isn't the key messages that the Alzheimer's Society is trying to get across. Uh-huh. The Alzheimer's Society is trying... The key message is you can live well with dementia. Is that really the whole idea of calling it dementia friends, is that you're, like, not alone and... Absolutely. And the, there's an opportunity to, to live with it, I guess? Absolutely. And it's to try and turn understanding into action. Mm-hmm. So, basically, if people have Good a little point, yeah. bit of understanding about it, they can do a little action that will improve people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that action can be tiny. It yeah. can, it's just been a little bit more tolerant. It's just been a little bit more helpful. It's just not being frightened to go and speak to your neighbour across the street once that neighbour so has had a diagnosis. I would also say compassion is involved in it as well. I think that's something that disappoints me a lot when you meet people is the lack of compassion people have for, for stuff that they don't have. Like, yes. And, uh, and very often if you do have a similar thing, it's almost like 
something I see a lot of. I don't know whether Richard agrees with this, but this like competitive nature of the I have a worse illness than you do, yeah. and, yeah. and I, I'm like I always kind of say to people with that attitude that it really isn't the point. We were talking about this in the green room before we started the show that. You know, I, I don't have the attitude of that, you know, I have a very destructive form of bipolar disorder, but I don't regard that as that if someone came to me and said, oh, I've got like, you know, a, a light version of bipolar disorder, yeah. it by definition doesn't mean I should go, oh, well, you, you don't, you don't have the, you, you don't suffer like I do, because I, 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 I care about anyone that suffers, that right. should be I the think whole point. The, I think mm-hmm. you put your finger on a key point there, we're yeah. all individuals. Mm, exactly yeah absolutely and regardless of what illness or, or diagnosis we've been given we are individuals and my dementia journey will be very different to somebody else's mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and, dement- and like every mental health which I think is the key problem people don't understand is that you can have a thousand people with the same illness and they could all be treated a thousand different Absolutely. ways. Uh, it, it doesn't, like, I think the m- misconception people have is, I hear this all the time with, because depression's a side effect of bipolar disorder, yeah. which is what I have. So people go, oh, I tried this antidepressant and it worked for me, and it's like, no, it might, yeah. might not work for me. That's the kind of point. Yeah. I mean, do you, are you come, just what? wanted to get you in here about uh, dementia. Is it something you've come it's across? N- not, not in great depth. But what I was really interested about, because obviously... Um, there are various stages of degenerative. I've been practicing that for weeks. Uh, it, it Richard, get, Richard goes to the dyslexia guy. So obviously it's an illness that goes through various stages. And so fairly early on, you know, it may well be that communication is relatively unimpaired. Further down the line, obviously the situation's dramatically changed. The only experience I've had was meeting a lady who was um, quite advanced in a dementia. Um, and you, you, speaking to her, you could actually still gain the frustration that there was a, there was a, a, a memory of, of who she was, and, and, but, but a real struggle to try and you know, communicate. The, but what, what really struck me was um, she was shown um, the ordinary communication, that the, the answers really didn't make a great deal of sense. Bless it. They showed her a photograph of her as a young woman, uh, and all of a sudden... A yeah. whole story came back, and and I just sat there. I found it quite upsetting in a in a, in a sort of positive kind yeah. of way. It was lovely to hear her talk about it, but obviously, it just it's a recognition that obviously, as Steve said, one size doesn't fit all with an, uh, this illness with any illness. Yes. But obviously, this is progressive, which is an easier way of saying the word yes. I couldn't say. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah. And and so therefore has to be treated differently <laughs> at different stages. Absolutely. And I think you put your, your finger on another key principle is there's more to the person and the dementia or the diagnosis, whatever that may be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's so the same with a lot of stuff. It's yeah. hugely important. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So for everybody the that has person, a diagnosis, yeah. yeah, whoever's yeah. been diagnosed with dementia is, could, you know, is a daughter, a mother, a you, you know, a physiotherapist, a radio presenter, there is more to us than a diagnosis. Of course, yeah. And once sometimes communication, shall we say, is becomes more difficult, the person behind the diagnosis gets lost in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I so understand and that, yeah. The, uh, and the Alzheimer's Society is really, really, that's another key message, never lose sight of the person behind the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, a beautiful analogy. I've got to say the Dementia Friends sessions, if anybody would like to attend a Dementia Friends... Yeah, I was going to say yeah. more information, yeah. Yeah, um, the set, the, on the Alzheimer's website, I'll give you the web address yeah, in a moment. Yeah, please do, yeah. yeah. There's a um, notification of where you can go to sessions, and I really, really recommend people go to sessions because they do excellent analogies to try and explain some of this. Yeah. But one of the uh, examples they gave was a, a lady with a diagnosed of dementia who lost the ability to use formal speech. Mm-hmm. 
she very little was known about her and she was in a care home and all day long she and she annoyed the other residents and she annoyed some of the staff of the truth be known because mm-hmm. it was done in an extremely agitated fashion uh-huh. And this, nobody could understand why she did it. She was a single lady, she was an elderly lady, and she had no visiting relatives. She seemed quite distressed most of the time. Mm-hmm. However, out of the blue, a long-lost relative came from Australia, something like that, I'm making that up. Um, the Australia bit I'm making up, by okay, the way, yeah. but not the long-lost relative. No, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and tracing family tree. Mm-hmm. Came in and they said, you know, have you got somebody here called blah, blah, blah? Yes, we have. I'll go and see her. Why do you think she does that all day? We've no idea. So the relative says, well, I'm going around to speak to other members of the family. Mm-hmm. I'll come back. You know, and If I get any information, any information I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. She did come back, if I read you. She did come back. She says, I may have a clue. She says, Auntie Rose in the war worked at Bletchley Park. Because I, I was, I was going to put throw a funny in. Was she a Morse code operator? Absolutely, she was. And it's ah, not okay. even funny because it's the truth. No, I know that <laughs> sounds like yeah, it sounds like a Ronnie. Ronnie it sounds like a two Ronnie sketch, doesn't it? Yeah, and yeah. do you know the the reality of it is she was using correct Morse codes. That's remarkable. Ah, that's very interesting. Yeah, because because so the idea was like she wanted to communicate with people, and, was, and it was just a byproduct she, of her job. Yeah, well, that's, she that's thought so she was at work. She thought yeah. she was at work. Yeah, and what she was doing was trying to contact. Yeah. lost Eamon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah, was yeah. very. No, but I get that completely. That's, That's a brilliant very, story. Very, very yeah. distressed because they weren't responding. Uh-huh. They the managed it beautifully in the home by getting a local scoutmaster to come across who identified she was using correct Morse code. And also, um, this isn't the terminology, most aback, uh-huh. you know, responded in Morse code back to her. Mm-hmm. And um, she uh, agitation decreased. Wow. Because she was getting a response. Where's my airman? Where's my airman? Yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds know? like a ner- it's almost like a nervous tick or yeah. something, you know? Like and that she kind was of getting fear. a response, all's well. Yeah. So they yeah. went further so like than that of- and they got the local scouts themselves to come mm-hmm. in to practice with the lady. She never ever stopped doing it, but she did it in a less agitated fashion. Mm-hmm. Great. Now that's just a little analogy as to why there is absolutely more to the person. Absolutely. Than the diagnosis. Great way. So very quickly, because we were out of time, yeah. just to say, like, so that's a fantastic story to end. But um, just quickly, uh, where can people find more information? Can I really recommend, in. can I really recommend that people do... A good restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've got one, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> That people do go onto the website, www.dementiafriends.org.uk. Um, and there you'll get information as where you can attend a session to be a dementia friend. And if you really feel as though you could do it, and I recommend you do it, become a champion like I am. Cool. Thank you very much indeed. That's perfect. So, yeah, Ricky will be next for Mental Health, New- Mental Health News because I-, I know we're a little bit behind, but I- I- we-, we will catch it up. It's fine. And, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, so we're going to take a very quick break because we were talking for, what, 30 minutes there or something, so we're going to take a break now. But huge thank you, uh, Lynn, for coming in. Much appreciated. And uh, now we're going to play a really quick track. We're going to play Killer Queen by Queen. Uh, classic, obviously. And we'll be right back on Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio North East. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio North East. That was obviously Killer Queen by... Who was it by? <laughs> I Prin- don't know that band. Prince. <laughs> yes, Prince. Yeah. We're going to play a game right now. Uh, name the band of the most popular band probably of all time. <laughs> first, but, um, first album I ever bought, News of the World. Really? Queen. Yeah. Very good. 
That's really cool. Um, a, a completely random tangent because we're, we're, we're thinking about changing the segments right now because uh, Maggie Douglas and Professor Douglas Turkington, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, need our press for time. And we, we are, um, we've changed the schedule ever so slightly because what I should say, just to let people be aware, we were going to do a pre-recorded segment, but that was no longer part of the script, so we had a last-minute change. So everything's a bit like we're working on the fly, as it were, which is typically, uh, which mentally sounds not... Uh, always like, but there you go. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to just say because I, I, again, because we're just talking music based, is that um, are you a fan of Paul Weller at all? Um, I was a big, big fan of the Jam. They mm-hmm. they coincided with uh, with my sort of teenage years. Great. So the uh, the stuff from uh, 77, 78 in the city and around that time. Yeah, I've got oh, big, in, big fan in, of in that. the city is one of my favourite albums. It has to be really. I absolutely adore it. Um, but yeah, so I no, I totally, totally agree. With you. <laughs> the only reason I bring this up is because I was just for some reason on YouTube watching a whole ton of uh, of Paul Weller stuff, and um, I was like watching the bit with. Um, uh, just be careful, that guys. Uh, just uh, it's just because I'm using the mic, obviously. But uh, it's just to say that you know, because obviously he did the Style Council after yeah. that, and then um, he did the solo stuff, and he does a lot of stuff with like Noel Gallagher and stuff like that. And I'm like, I- I'm not too overjoyed with that kind of stuff but uh, yeah early stuff very very uh, much yeah. early stuff he was a, as a teenager he was a very very talented young man yes still, still is still is really but yeah as I say, he kind of just does a lot of more off the wall stuff now yeah. sort of like the, the David Bowie dance dance years you know that kind of thing so sorry guys we just pushed you ahead of the schedule so apologies for that as I say we've only got one mic so if we ask you to, to talk if you could just lean into the <laughs> mic that would be great guys but we do have with us if I've got if my notes are correct we have uh, Maggie Douglas is that right and uh, Douglas Turkington, I hope I'm saying that correct. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, you guys are um, well. The pre- uh, Douglas is a professor of psychosocial. I got this for a dyslexic person to read this. Maybe I'll just get you guys to say it because uh, I'm looking at this going. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, so yeah, being that I'm a little bit dyslexic, I'll get you guys to say it. So Douglas, do you want to say what you do uh, uh, first off? Yeah, I'm a professor of psychosocial psychiatry. Uh, could you just get closer to the mic? I know it's a pain Which in the ass, but yeah, thanks. means that I do all the psychiatry, but not so much about drugs, not okay. about medicines. So it's about therapy and social treatments. Brilliant. And um, what do you do, Maggie, if you don't mind us? I'm a research assistant. Closer in, please. Sorry, it's really frustrating, I know, but it's this when you got to mind. Okay, yeah. Um, psychologist. Mm-hmm. Oh great! Okay, <laughs> that's very short and sweet. I was expecting like a, I do all this and I do all that, but no, I do this. Thanks, Stephen. Move on. Uh, well, yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, so, I guess in a sort of in a in a sort of wider context, because it's to do with schizophrenia, is that correct? Um, so, I guess because obviously the, we'll talk to the professor in this regard. Um, can you just explain? Because I have um, experience. I've I've witnessed people who have schizophrenia. I know a little bit about it. I've talk to people about it again i'm a layman in that respect so from your from your point of view can you just describe to people because again like we touched on with belief uh with um was it belief anorexia. anorexia sorry yes anorexia earlier we were talking about it's if you say anorexia people might have an idea what it is and it, i imagine it's the same with schizophrenia but could you give us from your point of view the, the more professional definition well schizophrenia is normally a severe mental disorder mm-hmm. And it presents with voices and paranoia and having difficulties in thinking properly. Mm-hmm. But there is a new theory that schizophrenia is at heart a disorder of language. Oh, interesting. And what we're really into now is early intervention. Because if you can pick the disorder up early, then you can give early treatments and that gives a better outcome. Mm-hmm. 
So our research is to look at the idea that the earliest signals of schizophrenia are in a person's language. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at people with the disorder. We're going to look at first-degree relatives, brothers and sisters. Okay. And we're going to look at a, a non-clinical population and totally and thoroughly analyse their language. Do wow. they use metaphors? How many How pronouns interesting. How interesting. do they use? Yeah, I know. I'm like... What, what is their sentence structure? And in this way, we hope to be able to, to shine a light on the issue of language in schizophrenia. So that, that's the research we're doing. I guess from my point of view, because I, I see I'm, I'm fairly well read in, in certain things, particularly with my bipolar disorder. I've read a lot about that. And, mm. and well, I guess it may be a, a simple question to ask, but are you, are you suggesting with the language, are you saying that's a, that's a cause, that's the causal reason? Or is it a byproduct of the schizophrenia? Is that a fair question to ask, I it's guess? It's not only a fair, it's a great question. Well, you know. <laughs> You're entitled I, uh, to one, Just to let people be aware, I'm now retiring from radio. I've asked the best question I've had since, <laughs> since I've been in it, and uh, this is the final show. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah, go on. <laughs> but, to be honest, it's more likely to be a byproduct. Okay. But there is a theory that there are some types of schizophrenia that are very biological. Yes. And are actually rooted in the development of the language center uh-huh. as the brain develops. Okay. And for that group of people with the disorder, this could be a very clear signal. Mhm. So, it's an interesting question. We haven't answered it yet. Okay. That's that. That's what I love about like sort of scientists and various other things. Is that one of the reasons I'm pro science? Is that I love the fact that you just go, I've got no idea, but it's a good question. <laughs> which is I, I love that side of it. Which is why, like you know, I almost did science at school. So I, I, I that's why I'm like, I guess I'm like a sort of just fan of it. Like I, I you know, you, my friends often sort of like jokingly have a go at me because I'm always in like a physics book or something I'm reading something about science so it's it's a great um, thank you for answering so honestly um, yeah go for it Richard sorry yeah I'm obviously on the basis that I can't match the, the previous question um, <laughs> I was, I've retired now Richard's <laughs> taken over um, <laughs> what I was really interested in if, if you're studying language and construction of sentences etc are there um, certain particular elements that you're looking for because I'm conscious of the fact that different groups of people in different parts of the country might have different sentence structures and might different di- oh, just um, it, are you concentrating your research very much locally or is this a much wider project um, you can say it was a good question if you want <laughs> it's an excellent question bless you thank I you Maggie. <laughs> you've got your um, job back Richard. I think <laughs> <laughs> um, this particular study on schizophrenia uh, sorry could you just move in a second just just this, like lean in like you okay. know, that's much better thank you this particular study on schizophrenia is based in the northeast right um, there's a similar one running down south, but mm-hmm. not on schizophrenia in a completely different um, condition. But this is based solely up here um, in the northeast. So we, we've we gone from Gateshead right the way through currently to Morpeth wow. um, to recruit people, and we're still recruiting at the moment. So are there, are there aspects of, of the, the language, aspects of the sentence construction, use of metaphors, etc., that, that cut across... The, I don't want to use the word cultural, but to, to cut across the, the sort of social differences between Gateshead, Cramlington, w- whatever part of, uh, of the North East that you want to pick? We don't really know just yet, hence the study. 
so um, it's what we're trying to find out. Right, right. okay. Sorry, it feels like we're doing more research for you. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we, you come to us for guidance. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's it's a it's a good it's a good point. It's a good question. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I guess yeah, it's one of them things you'll find yeah. out. I guess. Yeah. Uh, from that point of view, I'm just interested in the sea of why siblings. Is there a particular reason for that? Yeah, we wanted to control for this thing of the kind of idioms of speech used within a family. Mm-hmm. So obviously a brother and a sister, one gets a severe mental disorder, the other doesn't, but they're going to have the same language background. Yeah. So we want to compare them and also people from the local part of the northeast. And if there are differences in there, there would probably be real differences for the disorder, Mm -hmm. a real signal within the language structure. And of course this could point to bits of the brain that are involved in producing those types of language structure. Yeah. So there could be ways of detecting the disorder early, plus there could be of new course, treatments, yeah. newly yeah. targeted treatments, and we need new treatments more than anything else of course, yeah. in schizophrenia. Yeah, it's something I wanted to get onto, but I just wanted to say that, that I understand it, because one of the things that, you know, again, as I say with me reading science books and whatnot, is the, the thing that people fail to realise is what a lot of people do, I imagine you do for research purposes, is that it's more often that you, you, you figure out what doesn't work and then come to the conclusion. A lot of people think you're, you're fine, trying to find the right thing, whereas it's figuring out, well, yeah. you're going through the process of trial and error of like, yeah. going, that doesn't work, so how about this? It's kind of like getting rid of the, the possibilities and then going, well, this, yeah. much be, this must be the reason. Yeah. That's how a lot of research usually works. So, And the big mistake is to think you've found the answer. Exactly, yeah. Because we've almost never found the answer. Yeah, yeah. Schizophrenia always defeats us. It's a really complex disorder Mm. of the brain. Yes. I mean, take medicines. They used to be thought to be the answer, you know, antipsychotic medicines. Uh In actual fact, we know only one in four people get a real good result with medicine Mm -hmm. now. So we need new treatments all the time. Yeah, and you've I, got to be I, humble I get, I get about the mean. disorder. It's mm. really complex. Well, I wanted to say because again, this may be like I, I'm not necessarily saying this is what I think schizophrenia is because, as I say, I have a, a, a fair experience about asking people about it. But the common thing that comes up, and maybe it's even talked about in other media circles, is this idea of dreams. Yeah. The, um, the the one person described it to me of the it's almost like you you, you have a difficult time determining which is reality and which is what you what are you what you're perceiving not to be not to exist like like you're in some sort of dreamlike phase uh is is that something that still is applicable to uh, to schizophrenia or is that kind of now not because it's it seems to be a symptom of it from what i can hear but is it is it still kind of allowed to be is it still part of the process i guess it's still very much part of the research yes because we know that the severity of the psychosis yes correlates closely with the severity of sleep deprivation all ah, right and there was That's a time schizophrenia was thought of as a sleep disorder mm-hmm. and people used to describe it as dreaming awake Mm-hmm. So we're very much interested yeah. That's exactly how you phrased it to me. Yeah, and getting sleep improved. If you can sleep well, that's a sign of good mental hygiene. Yes. So one of the things we can do in schizophrenia is why I don't sleep well. Better. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. The other thing we wanted to mention is about carers. Yeah. Because uh, we just were talking doing castle carers, but we're yeah. interested yeah. in giving some of the therapy techniques to the carers. Great, yeah. Because we think they don't get enough, you know. Yeah. There's a very small number of therapists out there and the therapies are quite good. Yeah. But not enough people get them. 
the carers point. are Jeez. always there and we don't do enough of teaching them some of these quite simple techniques which could really help. Mm-hmm. So we are running a workshop for carers Great. Yeah. on the 20th of April. 22nd. 22nd, sorry. Uh, when's, where is that happening? <laughs> it's at Newcastle General Wolfson, Wolfson Centre mm-hmm. um, at Newcastle General. Yes. Um, Westgate Road. Mm-hmm. And it starts at 10 o'clock till 12pm. Okay. And it will look at uh, teaching carers different techniques yeah. to help uh, people there. Um, people with psychosis, um, schizophrenia, and looking looking at specifically red flag situations. Yeah. So things like you know if the voices are asking, you know, the people they're caring for to maybe kill somebody or kill themselves, what they can do in such situations. There'll be role plays and. Um, Probably yeah, stuff you've got lunch. to know, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. No, of course. You've got to know that stuff. Um, I, the reason I just <coughs> wanted to say, because I would say we're pushed for time, but I just wanted to say, like in relation to what you just said, I, I so understand that because you know I've had, as I say, I just said in an earlier segment, I, I looked after my mom who had Parkinson's, and yeah. there's, you know, I thank God for Parkinson's UK because yeah. you know they helped me and my mom great, and yeah. um, but early on you do like because you know if if Richard. I don't know, let's use an example because Richard's here. Like, if Richard right now has a problem mm. and it's uh, we can sort of deal with it very yeah. quickly and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, uh, appropriately and hopefully in the right way, mm. but with a long-term problem like something like Parkinson's, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or whatever whatever it wants to be, it's it's all it's they're all isolated illnesses so you've got to treat them the way that it works and also if you don't treat that person the right way uh, they'll get more frustrated more like you don't understand you're more like and it it can exasperate the the symptoms and the illness so like it's 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 it's, it's such a good point because i think a lot of friends or family may think oh well i'm trying everything but it might not be the right thing um so yeah, we are we are currently recruiting. It was currently looking for carers to attend these um, workshops. Yes, as well as looking for carers for the research that we're running at the moment. Great. All the information's been passed on to your your sites as well. Great. Um, who to contact? My contact details are on there as well. Fantastic. Um, if anybody wants to attend, it's completely free um, for the carer session. At but if they do want it want to be part of the research you do get paid per session mm-hmm. to uh, take part in the research and it's quite interesting Brilliant. a lot of people think it's quite yeah. interesting i could talk to you forever i like as you can t- as you can tell i am i'm like is there anything you want to add richard before we get uh, ricky if you want to uh, just the, the statistics of the green room can ricky come in because we're talking mental health news after this but um, anything you want to add? no it's it's been one fascinating subject and fascinating guests one after another it's been a, it's been really interesting show i just want to spend my time i just want to like pick both your brains and go like can we go for a coffee and i'll just go so what about this like what was the, you know because you're like it's like i'm I've got my own version of like my own audio book or something. I'm just like the books talk. The books talking back. We'll to just me. say we don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, but but I find that as a person who is so curious about stuff, I find that fascinating. I understand yeah. why scientists have that thing of we don't know, but let's find the answer. Like you know, I love that attitude. I think that's that's fantastic. And there, so, there are situations where even not finding the answer is still a step forward. It yes. Is, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. you again, like yeah, they touched on the idea of that. You know. Yeah. It can't. 
can't be that. Yeah, I know, Richard. We just <laughs> like that's it. We're not the, like I, I, I'm serious. Let's not just not do another show. Like this is the best show we've ever done. Uh, but so yeah, sorry, we're really pressed for time, unfortunately, guys. But thank you so thank much you for so coming much. in. Thank you, thank you and, um, yeah, thanks a lot. Thank much you. appreciated, thank and you. thanks for doing such a great job. Oh, um, uh, Rich, Rich, Ricky for rental house, please. Um, Sorry, I just that was uh, just to say that was off camera. I feel like we're doing Howard Stern today. It's like, uh, and now Victoria, could you please go and get Richard <laughs> slash Ricky? Ricky Tamman has entered the studio. I'm doing my own Howard Stern, Ricky. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're happy with. Uh, but yeah, so it's just adjusting the mic. But a huge thank you. I'll give them one more uh, shout out because that was such a great interview, wasn't it? Rick? Been brilliant. Richard. Yeah. Uh, uh, Maggie Douglas and uh, Douglas Turkington, who are. Uh, obviously professors and uh, research assistants for schizophrenia research so um, huge thank you to them and I say yes as Richard said fantastic show but the show would never be complete without Mr Ricky Tamman and his son careful uh, we've got a trade descriptions that going on so you don't want to you don't want to how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you, good sir? I'm not too bad, thanks very much. Awesome, awesome sauce. Um, so, yeah, um, <laughs> I know I've got all ghetto. Uh, but, yeah, so um, obviously we've got about, uh, I'd say, 10 minutes or so, and then we've got to make sure uh, going to make sure David uh, ends the show with us. Uh, so, mental health news. This is the part of the show, Richard, where we can take a, t- a little bit of a break in the sense of Ricky takes over and... Uh, for those that haven't listened to the show before, uh, we have a section where we talk mental health news over the past month since we've been off air. Uh, we talk about all the news that's happened uh, as up to date as possible, and Rich and Ricky tells us about it. And we have a little debate amongst the three of us. So, in the meantime, let's dance. Yes, yes, but yeah. And now for something completely different. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so go go ahead, Ricky. Mental health news. Right uh, here we go. Um, I don't know how uh, affluent you guys are with soap operas, but uh, I mean, I used to watch fluent. A fluent, fluent. Yeah. <laughs> you have to knowledge, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I watched a bit in the nineties, but I haven't been followed to date. But what did you watch in the nineties? Let's let's make them embarrassed. Oh, what did God. you watch? I think I watched them all. They send us. Yes. Um, I'll admit, Corey, right, and it may I may lose street cred for saying this, mm-hmm. but uh, my mom was my mom in particular when I was at, when I was at home was a huge fan of Hollyoaks, so oh, I have no. seen too many episodes of Hollyoaks. I don't watch it anymore, and I hated it when it was on. But my mom yeah. had it on like during tea time and stuff. So yeah. if I can just reveal, I'm currently writing a book about Coronation Street. Really? Well. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Sorry, Ricky. <laughs> That's probably. I would say if I had to pick, the probably the best one. How many strings does Richard one? have? I mean, yeah, no, this yeah. is incredible. Yeah, broken. yeah, yeah. yeah. Broken, okay. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, so that so segues on, yeah. into EastEnders. Um, the last month or two, um, they've featured uh, a real big uh, mental health storyline. Uh, the character of Stacey Branning, who's played by uh, Lacey Turner, actress Lacey Turner, uh, she's going through a uh, what's called postpartum psychosis, which is an illness which affects uh, women uh, just after giving birth. Um, the story and the character was inspired by a real-life person who's been working... <laughs> With mine to help create this storyline to raise awareness, which yes. I think is a fantastic thing. Of course, yeah. Um, just to give you a heads up on postpartum psychosis and its symptoms, it includes sort of hallucinations, irrational thoughts, and it's often triggered by uh, other mental health issues that the sufferer might have, so things like bipolar. Um, but yeah, this is illustrated by the character of uh, Stacey Branning, and uh, it's it's garnered a lot of positive response. So I think the more that, you know... People often debate about soap operas, just how real life they are, and they've taken a big step into this. And whilst I have been critical of soap operas before, I've, you know, I've got to take my hat off to. to no, and I actually think, in relation to news, I think he's got a fair point because mm. with soap operas, they very often don't. Um, 
don't they don't touch stuff like that it's yeah. always like kind of relationship issues and mm-hmm. and everything else and they don't go along uh, or burying people under the patio <laughs> yeah yeah or 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 uh, or whenever like a character has to leave they always have to be like in a car and hitting a lamppost yeah Yeah. (laughs) isn't that whole thing was in the dirty den or something and uh yeah Yeah. Uh, i don't know i was like that's just me we gain my limited knowledge but yeah it's so true isn't it i mean it's it's good actually that eastenders one have tackled the story but two given the story to the best actress that they've got yeah no okay yeah yeah no i i'll i'll take away for it yeah she's a superb yeah oh yeah one of the things i will never just 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 before you move on just very quickly i just want to make the point of Uh, soap opera, soap actors get a lot of stick for being in soaps, but I actually think acting wise, you know, I actually think it's it's the best acting on TV. I actually actually think it's a lot better than films sometimes. Yeah. There's not so many double takes and there's not so many sort yeah, yeah. of camera shots. When they the did them like live over the Christmas period, I did watch that live one they did. Yeah, there's a, couple, there's a couple of, yeah. a couple of scripts, the yeah. where they, There was one where the, the, the ginger-haired guy from EastEnders, like he the called camera him, called him Mr. He's Beale, like, didn't he? He's just, he's just like standing there. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's waiting for his cue. He's like, and you'd always <laughs> see him go, oh, oh, oh damn, like, oh, yeah. I, got it. I, didn't, I missed my cue. Like, but but I, I, that's half the reason I think people like me watched it. They just go, are they going to screw up? Jinx it, jinx it, jinx it. But anyway, yeah. It shows they're human. Great, but no, in all seriousness, though, as you pointed out, that's really good that they do it. They're going to the length to do that because obviously soap operas get a lot of, yeah. of, of viewership and stuff. So it's great that yeah. it's in the act out there. So this uh, nicely segues into uh, BBC. Uh, I'm not employed by the BBC, so don't think I'm uh, moonlighting for them or anything. But yeah. Um, but BBC- can I just say BBC are the greatest uh, corporation? That's all I have. Yeah, so the BBC over the next fortnight, I think it is, have got a series called uh, Series of Programs, which has been bracketed under In the Mind. Oh, I um, seen I seen the tra- I seen a trailer for this. The trailer, yeah. yeah, it looks phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the programs include. Well, I think it's it's starting next week. Okay. Um, yeah. I on the fifteenth, yeah, I, I don't think so. It's, uh, Richard just said, "Is it Stephen Fry?" I don't is it? Is it? It's, it's a whole host of people. Um, what Stephen Fry? Uh, he's mentioned here. Um, yes, he did a, a, a show uh, ten years ago, um, "The Secret Life I of a Manic right. Depressive." As you know, I'm and a he, huge fan of. And like, he's doing a ten-year update. Really on great. That, yeah. So oh, I'll that'll be really watch interesting. That but I want to watch it for other as well. Um, other programs include that uh, there'll be repeats of. Um, what we have here, yes, uh, my baby psychosis and me, which relates to postpartum psychosis in the East End storyline. You've got Professor Green's Suicide and Me. Uh, you've got Life After Suicide, which features uh, David Robb, who's in Downton Abbey, who tragically lost his wife to suicide. You know, after suffering years of anorexia. Uh, there's an Inside Out, which which features. Um, um, oh, that was the one I saw. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. This this one this one's going to feature particularly children's mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, front frontline E and E, and in particular transgender people as well, and what they go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, just going back to Secret Life of Manic Depressive. Did you ever were you a fan of Whose Line Is It Anyway in the nineties? <laughs> yeah, because I've, was, I've done a fair bit of improv comedy. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, one guy who I was a huge fan of was a guy called Tony Slattery. Do you remember yes, him? Yes, and, oh, he, and he's in it. Yeah. He was featured in that original program because yes. he, I think, he was bipolar. Yeah, as well. it was. It was. Yeah, it was during the time. I can. I can say this. It was during the time that. Um, he was on TV. There was an old joke on Who's Line because when he was on Who's Line, they were like, "Oh, uh, he has Tony Slattery." Oh, mm. I'm not surprised. He's in everything because yeah. he went for a period of time in the early '90s where he was in. He was in on a lot of he shows. Like he was guesting yeah. on like Room yeah. 101, and he was yeah. on like Have I Got News for You? Yeah. And so yeah, it, and he said during that period of time, uh, just very quickly, he said on the Secret Life of Man Depressive that he locked himself in his house for six months. Didn't and he? Yeah, and he, and he threw, threw stuff in the Thames. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. HSA didn't speak to anyone. Everyone's yeah. like, what happened to him? And he just locked himself yeah. in his house for yeah. six weren't they? I think, weren't they part of the Cambridge Footlights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's how he met him, yeah, yeah. through the, the one yeah. with um, Emma Thompson and Hugh Laurie. That's right, yeah. No, oh, yeah, I know him very well. Well, I, I know him from his language. So that's, uh, yeah, that's um, two weeks of uh, programs. I can't wait for that. Because yeah. it's, it, honestly, that changed my perception on everything. That, cause I it, learned a lot it was from watching the time, well, It was yeah. during the time I I remember talking to my counsellor about it. Uh-huh. And he was saying, "Did you watch Stephen Fry the other night?" And he says, "Yeah." So we had a we had a similar Great. conversation what we're having now. So no, totally. Have you ever came across some documentaries at all? I, I haven't. But what's interesting in the list that you gave, Ricky, is that there's a, there's a, a, a spread of conditions, and it's actually covering a spread of uh, of potential age groups as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, there's going to be plenty for people to tune in, and a lot of you know, for me, a lot of learning and understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving uh, on. Before we move on, can sure. I just say, just say, say that people can David come into the studio just so, just so we can. Make sure the oh hello oh, he's here. he was just waiting uh, to take a seat and we'll be with you in a sec, mate. Mm-hmm. Um, just wanted to wrap uh, wrap the mental health news up, but um, but yeah, go for it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, a quick piece on ethical fashion and something called models law. Um, this is something I'm quite passionate about because I work within the rag trade. Uh, I believe that you know something like the fashion industry should practice ethics. Um, a model by the name of Rosie Nelson who has launched a petition called Models Law. Um, you might have heard it in the news. Um, in her experience, she was told by a modern agency to lose weight. And uh-huh. she, had, she was basically told, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight, where she was literally down to the bare bones. Wow. And she knew then that there was a problem with this um, because with other vulnerable young women, young girls, the risk of de- developing eating disorders are, are, are very high. Mm-hmm. So she course, wants, yeah. she's launched a petition called Models Law. If you hashtag Models Law, uh, Google it, you'll, you'll get it and you can sign in. Already 120,000 people have signed it. Fantastic. Um, in France, they've actually banned, you might have heard this as well, uh, young, thin models on the catwalk. Yeah, like size zero. That's right. Yeah, so, thank God. It's about time they did that. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm, so, not, I'm not the most, like, fashion-caring mm-hmm. Like person in that regard. <laughs> when you talk about ethical fashion, it, that, but like, it's not I, just things about campaign against like the fur trade. It's also about you know mental health, health within. Yeah, yeah people's absolutely. health and just attitudes of that that's acceptable. I mean, I'll just give a quick quote from her. She said, yeah, "On one it. shoot, she worked for a full ten hours without any food and drink in between." Mm-hmm. So if you imagine doing that on you know twenty four seven, eating disorder, the develop the development of something like that is is is, is really huge. No, of course. Uh, uh, that nicely kind of segues into the next piece about Barbie uh, <laughs> and body image and body types. Uh, we all have these uh, notions of Barbie. respect Barbie. I'm yeah. a huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> They've, uh, Mattel, um, who, who make Barbie, uh, the cl- late in the game, but progress has been made. What they've done, they've launched a, a new range of, of Barbie dolls where they're more realistic of what body image is <laughs> now is it, so, it also not blonde as well as no they've blonde, got all ethnicities they've got uh <laughs> they've got curvy they've got tall they've got petite so i think they're trying to un- they were under pressure from campaigners i think to you is know, she wearing like just like like cargo pants and like uh cargo pants and like uh, i think we're delving into your mind here we should yeah like, should. Oh, there's, no, there's got to be no sexual connotations whatsoever yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. i see the I, I'm, I'm obviously being jovial i mean i get the point i get yeah. the point like yeah. that it was obviously meant with a kind of stereotypical it's almost like you know i guess if to, to use a, a nerdy analogy it's like tomb raider maybe that yeah. like, you know that they, they you know they they do get criticized for the fact that you know the tomb raider has to be this you know big breasted girl like mm-hmm. and and, and mm-hmm. so yeah maybe they did sort of change that to be more mm-hmm. of a less of a stereotype and, and now the kids have got three or four to choose from yes exactly so yeah mother spending even well more money. some of the interesting responses to this were saying well <laughs> 
what what would Ken look like? Should he have a beer belly? That's what I was saying. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking. become a model. I'm so glad you, me, and Ricky's minds are similar because I'm going. Yeah, what are they going to do with Ken? No, it's not. No, it's not. Listeners out there, it's not. completely. Yeah, he's not as mad as me. But no, that's that's great. I just wanted to end. I'm sorry. Like I was saying, we're pushed for time. But I just wanted to ask you guys: Did you hear about little Chris? Yes. Because that I got very angry at the way that was that was portrayed. Uh, because it was, uh, I, I read quite a bit about it because I actually watched the original Rock School. For mm-hmm. those that don't know, it was when um, Gene, Gene Simmons, Simmons yeah, from Kiss, from Kiss yeah. did a Channel 4 documentary mm-hmm. called Rock School and this mm-hmm. young kid called Little Chris mm-hmm. was the lead singer of the band and he was phenomenally yeah. talented. I like was rooting for him. I thought he was he was a great young young talent. Mm-hmm. And he sadly lost his life last time, like uh, a week ago or so, or like a few years ago. And I got very annoyed because it was just... He had depression, 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 he had depression. Like, it's the sole reason for someone to go down that route. And yeah. and, and yet, what annoyed me was, if you read, like, the articles, uh, like, the, the second last line of an article, so if people don't read the article and just read the headlines, which is the reason I'm annoyed, is he goes, his sister goes, oh... He wouldn't want that to happen. He was a pioneer of wanting people to get better treatment, and he yeah. he, he felt he wasn't getting enough. And mm-hmm. it, we want his like memory to be of the. It's not the depression that leads to it. It's just that you know he didn't get the help he needed, and it's not like you know it's not a death sentence. And and yet, if you watch all of the articles, it's it's like he had depression. There we go. We'll put it in a nice little box. Did and, you read the recent uh, article a few days ago? Um, the la- latest we've heard was that he just struggled with fame. Yes, that was the main exactly. Thing, yeah. yeah, why is that never like yeah. thinking of the pressures of he's got to be pressured as yeah. a young, a young kid into a young yeah. adult of that he had to go through something. I mean, that, that says very, a lot about yeah. the in, the industry and don't want to blame, not, yeah. don't yeah. want to blame their own yeah. their own issues. Sorry, that yeah. that very annoyed me and it just reminded me I wanted to bring that up today. Mm. But just before we go, because I, I did promise David, so thanks for mental no health problem. news, Ricky. No problem. Uh, and just before we go, a few five minutes or so with uh, with David. Uh, so you want to get to the mic, Dave? That'd be great. Um, Hello, sir. Hello. Are you well? I love the fact that you brought the firefly in. That was something you showed me in yeah, hospital. That was really cool. I have um, brought it in before. Yes, indeed. Uh, uh, it's a role-playing version of Firefly, the popular um, the popular television series. Uh, yes. Which is really cool. And tomorrow we're flying up and into the black with the firefly role-playing game. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's yeah. something I obviously uh, approve of immensely. But um, yeah, so do you want to just want to say, because obviously uh, David is a contributor to this show, and I just wanted to have a few minutes to basically say what you're up to. So, um, yeah, do you want to fire away with what what's what you got coming up? Yes, uh, the uh, Firefly role-playing game is actually starting at Bordick House tomorrow, 1 o'clock, level 5, uh, at Bordick House. Very nice. Uh, we will be uh, playing the game, and uh, uh, together with me running it, uh, uh, the, um, the uh, great writing tutor at Launchpad and the Recovery College. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I don't want to talk about that too much, although if you want to attend the great writing group on Wednesday at 11, you're more than welcome. <laughs> cool. So what else do you want to talk about? you got a book, is it your book you wanted to talk about? Is that what it is? I wanted to talk about Firefly, but I'm oh, not go for it. Go for absolutely Firefly. sure. Go for Firefly, yeah, go for it. Whatever you like, it's up to you, as Richard said. It's whatever you want to talk about, so fire away. Right, uh, Firefly is um, a well-blown game all about uh, trying to make a life for yourself in a hostile universe. So, uh, in space, was, we should say, yes. <laughs> in space, yes. yes. Uh, there are spaceships involved, it is science fiction, yes. but it is also a western. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, 
this may not be the sort of science fiction or indeed the sort of western that you're accustomed to. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, it's not what you're accustomed to, exactly, yeah. But it but it's phenomenally good. It's obviously based on a television series. I'm trying to remember the um the director's name. He's uh, uh, Josh, Josh Wheaton. Wheaton. Josh Wheaton, that's the one, yes. Yeah, as soon as you as soon as I said I'm trying to remember the remember the guy's name, I remembered. Maybe it was Word Association, but uh but yeah, yeah, so it's a really great series. So yeah, so 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 yeah, obviously a fan of it, I assume. Yes, I'm a big fan of the Firefly series. I have watched it several, several times. And mm-hmm. um, recently I uh, showed it to uh, one of the people who will be playing the role-playing game tomorrow. And he said, um, oh, you haven't got that vote this time here. And I said to him, well, it's all right, I know all the words. <laughs> yeah, so you know what you're talking about. Yeah, so that's 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 obviously useful, being that you're running the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, so is there anything else you want to? I was sort of say we're pressed for time. So, just to wrap things up, is there anything you want to plug? Want to mention? Just other than the 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 thing tomorrow at one. Well, if anyone wants to get involved within this, I should briefly explain what role-playing games are. Yes, go for it. Yeah, go. Okay, yeah, very quickly. Uh, uh, role-playing games are basically improvised acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, um there is no script, uh, no character directions. You make your own character and you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then you roll dice to see if it works. Mm-hmm. Very fun. I'm a huge role-playing fan, as people know. So I highly recommend you go. And even, like, you know, just to just to, just to, to elaborate on what Dave said, um, is that uh, you don't need to... Um, uh, I don't know why that's popping up. Uh, uh uh, okay, we'll get to that. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm ch- uh, let's just I'll stop that. Just stop it from. Don't don't do anything. Sorry, I've just got we've just got a pop up window. I'm like I'm like stop flashing. So anyway, yeah. But um, no, just to say about the role. Yeah, right? no, it's, I don't mean flashing in that sense. Yeah, it's not someone in the studio, so don't no no one panic. Uh, but just to say that uh, yeah that. Um, uh, role play, you don't have to have an improvised background is what I was saying and it's like as you said it's a bunch about dice it's about creating a character it's about building your character up with levels and getting certain like you know traits and, and various other things and, and it's an opportunity to meet people as well so I highly encourage you to go and uh, meet, Dave, meet David and the gang and uh, give it a try and Firefly is a great choice so congrats on that uh, I'll say we're wrapped up for time but uh, thank you so much Dave for coming in it's much appreciated and good luck Good luck with everything. Um, yeah, we're done. Uh, Richard, anything you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, cheerio, I think. So, yeah, um, huge thank you to everyone involved in today's show. Obviously, we're at four o'clock, so we need to go. But huge thank you, Richard, for being co-host last minute. Thanks um, for having me back. Cheers. One of the best shows we've done, I'd say, in terms of beginning to end, like, guest-wise. Thanks, Dave, for being on. Thank you to everyone. There's too many to mention, but huge thank you to Lexi and everyone, and Ma- uh, Maggie and Colin and everyone else. Uh, huge thank you we love doing this show and uh, like the next one will be a year celebration so we're looking forward to it and congrats on us being nominated again huge achievement and uh, thanks so much for everyone involved this has been Mentally Sound on Gravity Radio North East Lab and Stephen Hesse uh, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Mentally Sound Mentally Sound Radio at gmail.com if you want to talk to us uh, follow me on Twitter at geek underscore apocalypse do you have a Twitter Richard? No. No. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. But anyway, yeah, so uh, you can find us all on Twitter. We're very active. So, yeah, please do let us know. And to play us out, because we were talking about Paul Weller earlier, very briefly, going underground by the jam. And we'll see you next month, guys. Bye.